What's up, movie fans and Netflix bingers? This is the Bros Who Binge podcast. It's the third round of the NFL draft. And the uh, New Orleans Saints pick Zach Bond. <laughs> New Orleans Saints my, got Jameis Winston. Let's go. <laughs> my name is Adam Schubert, and that's Lyndon Burton. Yeah, How's man. Going? Doing well, man. I, I'm actually really hyped to do this show today because I know there's not much movie news, but I'm ready to trash Chris Hemsworth's new movie. Ready to absolutely trash it. Ready to talk Dave because I got some real, real life stuff. Compared. Yo, that <laughs> movie was too real. Or not that show, that episode. <laughs> and that girl's speech was like all time. I'm it, like, that just broke that. I was like, that was some real life watching a television. It, that like, night. Makes it, you, it like makes you rethink like your relationships. It, it literally <laughs> had the Linden household on, on edge that night. <laughs> oh man. And then and, of course we got to talk about the last dance. Probably. I literally the, one of the most solid weekends of sports we've ever had with the N- NBA dra- or the NFL draft and then last dance capping it off. I had to stop eating cookies while Michael Jordan was working out. I was like, let's go, Jay. We get it. Let's go, Mike. I'm going to put them cookies up. I was like, I can't. I got I to gotta get right. MJ getting right. We about to win the first title. Let's go, man. MJ had me hype in the house. My girlfriend was like, you're not watching these sports live. Like, it's literally I was like, shut up. Not even in the room. But honestly, like watching that, and I know like there's games that are being replayed right now, but I was watching some of those games and I'm like, bro, I would watch this guy because we never grew up, you know, being able to watch him, you know, coherent when we were like, you know, infant children. On the low, I have been watching old Michael Jordan games. Like I've been But I mean, like they're not on TV is what I'm saying. No, I go on YouTube and just type it. Like I do it like once a week. I've watched Michael Jordan versus the Suns. I've watched Michael Jordan versus the Knicks. I've watched Michael Jordan versus the Lakers. I've watched uh, some Charles Barkley games just to get ready to see, you know, a little Zion comparisons. But nah, man, I can't wait to talk about this week's episodes because I think it was better than one and two. And we got we to gotta talk Extraction, like we said, the Chris Hemsworth movie. But, oh, and we're playing our actor game. This week, Schubert's going to ask me movies that he thinks Zoe Saldana, the actress I nominated, could uh, switch out for. But we're also doing our top Quentin Tarantino movies. Are we doing top five or are we just ranking all the Tarantino movies? Uh, I, I mean, we could just do because I mean, one of them is just like you don't even talk about, so it'd be more like ranking eight of them. But I haven't seen Pulp Fiction, so like that's the issue. Wait, you never seen Pulp Fiction? No. Oh my god! All right, but we'll still do it. We'll still rank them. We'll, this will be pre-Pulp Fiction, Schubert. So like, I so like I can do Fiction. seven. All right, like I can't do eight. Yeah. Well, what's the what's the ninth one? Wait, oh, you talking about Hateful Eight? No, it's like Death Something. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Well, that, I haven't seen that one, so it'll be because I've seen all. Let me pull them up because I made my list in. No, because you got Hateful Eight, The Kill Bills, Pulp Facts. Fiction, Facts, um, Once Django. Upon a Time in Hollywood, Django. Oh, pff, sorry, I totally forgot that that was a possibility. Yeah. Okay, so you got Reservoir Dogs, uh, and we only want directed movies. So we got Reservoir Dogs, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Hateful Eight, Django, Kill Bill 1, Kill Bill 2, and Glorious Bastards. I think, is Death Proof a TV show? Or is that a Death movie? Death Proof is a movie. Did he direct? Oh, he did direct. See, I did. Okay. See, Death that's Proof. the ninth film. Yeah. Death Proof is the one I did not watch. Okay. And then they have Jackie Brown. Jackie uh, Brown, yeah. Yeah. From Okay. So yeah, I can, I can, I can rank all of these, but... uh. But uh, which I'm gonna call it, but death proof because he didn't direct natural born killers, he only wrote that. 
Oliver Stone directed that. So we're just going with direction. Okay. Well, yeah, we'll just rank our Quentin Tarantino films low key. So we got some, some hiccups to it, but who has seen Death Proof out there? And maybe that'll give me something to do for next week. I'll, I'll watch it and give my thoughts on it. I've had, what have you been watching this week? Because I'm still on the One Tree Hill bandwagon. I started watching Fuck That's Delicious again. Oh, dope, dope. <laughs> Bro, no. I was watching Fuck That's Delicious one night and legit started cooking at 2 a.m. in the morning. <laughs> I was feeling like Action Bronson in the kitchen. I was like, I got the sausage and the pasta in the bowl. Dude, I made pasta carbonara this past weekend. Pretty fire. Okay, look at you, Shubi. Getting your cook game on. What else have I been yeah, watching? Yeah, because we, we've been watching, like, some cooking stuff. Uh, great, you know, the British baking show thing. Is that show um, good? Yeah, it's pretty interesting, man. You know, it's not as cutthroat as, you know, your American cooking shows. They're not mm. as brutal. Okay. But uh, yeah, then, uh, you know, like I said last week, we've been watching Gilmore Girls. But that's really, like, a going-to-bed kind of thing. Uh, but... You know, we're watch we're watching Listen to Your Heart as a joke. Mm. And I'm really excited about this week because it's the actual singing competition part of the whole deal. And they got like Kesha and Jason Mraz. Um Jordan Rogers is a judge. Okay. Why is he why is he a fucking He was on judge. The Bachelor and this oh. is like a bachelor show. Okay, okay, okay. I got so you. I think I got he's you. there to like judge chemistry. He and his uh girlfriend or whatever. Oh, him and Joe him and Jojo are still yeah, together. Jojo. Man, mm-hmm. I was low-key. That was the season that really got me into the Bachelor, Rhett, Bachelor, Nation, whatever. And, and I was a Jordan Rogers fan the whole time, but I just thought JoJo shouldn't have been with any of those dudes, man. I was like, JoJo better than all those dudes. Those dudes were lame. But Jordan Rogers. Lamos. Yeah, what else? Uh, have you been watching any movies? Because I, I rewatched Godfather. I watched Godfather Part Two, And Godfather Part Two is a great movie. Some part of me likes Godfather Part One more than it. Shout out to Lucia. I was talking to Lucia about fucking, uh, oh man, what's that Sean Penn movie, bro? Uh, fuck. Milk? Uh, no, not, not fucking milk. No. Uh, it's the, it's, oh man, it's Sean Penn, it's Kevin Bacon. It's the thing Sean Penn won the Oscar for. Hold on, bro. I, I know what this movie is because I watched it and I was talking to her about it. It just made me laugh about how that movie's not really that great. Like how I kind of enjoyed it, but it was just, it was a lot of overacting. Damn, why are they giving me his fucking biography? I want his movies. But whatever. It's like, it's a detective well, movie. Well, Watch no, that. to answer your question, I haven't been watching any movies real, any, or anything. It was a big sports week. Mystic River. That's really... Ah, yeah. Oh, Mystic River. Yeah, Mystic River, Kevin Bacon, and uh, Tim Robbins. And- <laughs> but yeah, it's been, it's been a big sports week, and I'm excited to talk about all that. And people can go listen to my podcast, WGSO.com. Had a fun episode Glad on the bench. Did. Because, like, you know, this is the one time where I can actually make that excuse. But now I'm planning on watching a lot of movies this week. I might, you know, splurge on a $20 one. I might watch a Sonic or something. I don't know. I think I'm going to watch Heat this week. I'm going to get into the Heat bag. I'm getting into my, like, my old movies bag heavy, like the the great. So I'm going to watch Heat this week. I've been watching – oh, I can't believe I haven't said this on the show because this has been, like, my personal viewing. I've been rewatching The Sopranos when I'm not watching One Tree Hill. So, like, I am – Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, like, this is is my go-through The Sopranos. That's the one HBO show that, like, I need to get under my resume. And I am halfway through season one. They just – Tony just killed fucking uh, the rat in Maine when he was taking uh, – what's her name? Fucking – 
uh, gosh, it's it's something it's something with the M. But he was taking his daughter uh, to the one who Turtle ends up uh, getting with in Entourage. He was taking his daughter to View College. She's like super young, and it's weird to see her in that role on The Sopranos, and then like know that that's the that's the girl that like, Turtle was crushing over, and he saw her since she was young as hell. It was just it was just it was just awkward, bro. It's just, it just awkward seeing that. But I love after watching The Godfather, seeing the influences of all those old mob movies on The Sopranos. And I think The Sopranos is very well done, but I will say it is, you can see how it's the start of this TV revolution that we're going in. It is, in my opinion, and I'm just in the start of season one. At the start of season one of The Wire, I thought The Wire was a more tightly, more tight written show, whereas this one's a little more, you know, it's still trying to find its way of being that, avant-garde really super great television and getting out of those network confines and it does that beautifully but it's you could see the development of it without the sopranos we don't get the wire without without the wire we don't get breaking bad and so on and so on and getting this revolution of television but i've been enjoying the sopranos oh her name is meadow and she's played by uh jamie lee siegler so yeah so i've been i've been enjoying it i'll rest in peace to james gandolfini though other than that Cause anime's getting, bro. It's a, it's a rough time in the anime community, bro. Shit's well, just getting done. It's good for someone like me because I haven't ever watched a lot of it. So like I've been watching a lot of Naruto, but shit's getting delayed. It's rough out here. So I just been watching television, man. Like luckily these Netflix things are still coming out, and yeah, man. might as well talk about it right now because it's not really news. But Falcon Winter Soldier, Sebastian Sand said they need to finish filming like a couple more scenes. So are we getting that in August? <laughs> like, no. Is that, that going to happen or is it going to be unfinished? Hey, well, they just, they finished filming some film out in like Austria or something. Some Mickey Rourke World War II film. So <laughs> Mickey Rourke don't give a fuck, bro. Mickey Rourke is that one motherfucker that's like, man, fuck it, bro. We out here doing it for the love of acting, you dig? <laughs> like, fuck that shit. Yo, so I don't mm. know if we're going to get Falcon Winter Soldier, but they say it's just like a long... Captain America Winter Soldier type deal. And we might not get Titans? Yeah, I don't know if we get Titans until next year. Titans has to film. Like, Titans was supposed to film from March to the end of the summer. Uh, we get it October. They haven't even started yet. Like, it, it is rough, uh, I thought bro. you said that they had gotten everything but the last episode. No, I was wrong. <laughs> I was I was wrong. I was super. That's No, that's Doom Patrol season two. Oh, Doom Patrol. Yeah, Still, no. though. Yeah, no, Doom Patrol has everything but the last episode. I was about to say Titans. I know I don't think I ever said that, but yeah, no, Titans. It's a rough spot right now. Batman's coming out in Halloween. We never talked about that. Yeah. Well, that's not that's not on the notes. And also HBO Max coming at the end of May, I think the twenty seventh. So with the like new, that, with that the new Looney Tunes. The new Looney with Tunes. With the new Looney Tunes, which look pretty pretty good. Look pretty good, I'm not gonna lie. But I like cause see I follow the Batman writer, Matt Matt Tomlinson. He wrote some of the script with uh Matt Reeves and some some of the other writers, but in the when he found out it was uh, moved to Halloween, he was like, ah, it just fits better. So, bro, everybody, it just long Halloween is coming. It did. That's what's gonna be. It's, it's gonna be obvious bit, now. Yeah, man. That's what it, I'm. I'm with it though. Fuck it. We've never had a Batman movie in Halloween. Let's get it. I, they, and was that's 2022, right? No, next year. 21. 2021. They push it back a whole year. Man, like we're gonna have a lot of stuff that's gonna stack up on each other. It's gonna be real great. So, like, that's, like, the one thing that people need to, like, recognize from, like, something that – a crisis or something that happens. Like, when you get back to going to going back to normal, like, you might just end up getting it's, good stuff. 
Yeah. So, but you be, I'm ready whenever you are. I'm, cause I'm ready to get to our discussion stuff this week. But you do have some good stuff on the news. All right. Yeah. Let's go ahead and jump into the news. So the first thing I wanted to talk about was a Star Wars question that was posed to me this week where um, some, you know, a friend of mine reaches out to me and he's like, hey, I saw this tweet and it was someone saying, why didn't R2-D2 tell Luke about his lineage of who his father was? Maybe that wasn't his place. I I think that was Obi-Wan might have told him. Like, well, no, yeah. I mean, definitely you could think that it wasn't his place or whatever. Um, but my thing was, okay, so let's say he even did tell him about his lineage. And then he goes to meet Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan's like, I have no knowledge of ever owning this droid. Like, that just cuts his credibility of someone, like an actual flesh human being being like, yeah, I knew your father. Yeah, true, true, true. I don't true. So, but like, that was... Interesting. But, I mean, like, I don't really think that's that big a deal. It was like some dude's five-year-old kid was, like, asking that question. And I'm like, that question isn't. But I mean, shit on the kid, bro. We gotta give our thoughts for the kid, man. But yeah, no, I just, I just feel like R two was just it was, it wasn't his place, or Obi Wan might have programmed him not to do it. Like you never know, man. No, I, I mean, like, what is this, what is R two D two gonna do? He's gonna be like, oh yeah, bro. Like I know your entire life story, <laughs> but it's beep, true. Boop 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 boop. I'm gonna tell, I'm gonna tell you your entire life story of the first three movies and be boops. <laughs> Like, Could have did it off screen or in the in the uh, crawl. <laughs> a fireside chat of R two D 2s beep boops, <laughs> telling Luke the story of the Clone Wars. <laughs> yeah, the, that's definitely on, that's definitely what the plot needed. On the Millennium Falcon, oh shit! But ah uh, yeah, that was that, that made for some good laughs. Who who we got next? Well, uh, the really exciting bit of news that everyone saw this week was that Avatar: The Last Airbender is coming to Netflix uh, May fifteenth. Let's go, so, man. Let's go. That, that's like really exciting because not everyone has the ability to just watch it, or I guess you could watch it on the internet. But you know, finally getting to watch it on your TVs on Netflix, on your streaming gonna be service, yeah. on your streaming service. So it's gonna be real fun. I know that I'm making plans to be watching it then. And, it's, gonna bring, um, it's gonna bring up all kind of discussions, like we had the good discussion. Yeah, we did about which uh, bending we would choose. I've always been a firebender, man. I really have, like. The ability to do lightning, the ability to fly, that's always been my jam. Earthbending, as I've grown older, has been second. I've always been against With water. the idea of you being like, everything is very, you want it the variation. Like, yeah, facts. You don't want to be the basic bender of all the benders. Like, no. If, God because no. like whenever I talk about water bending and wanting to do water bending, I'm like, well, you know, I'd want to be able to like, be able to make ice on command or like. Um, been like blood band if i was you know met that old like lady possessing some people some person <laughs> see i've always been a water sign in my astrology and i don't i don't buy into that shit so i've always been like anti-water bending but that would have been cool i've never really gravitated to air bending because i'm always like bro if i could fly and shoot gusts of wind i might as well be a firebender <laughs> yeah <laughs> if i'm gonna shoot gusts of wind out of my hand i might as well just shoot fire but the air yeah, thing is like, well, without air, you can't make fire without oxygen. And we can like suck that out, I guess. But I don't know, man. Airbending seems like just a, it's, it, it doesn't have an advantage over any one of them. It's like it could 
it's just it's, in the middle. It's good for defensive and speed. Yeah, it's neutral. It's not an offensive bending where all the other ones have offensive capabilities. Like it's I would got no take, power. I would take rocks and fucking make a rock armor suit on, bro, and just start going ham with my. Or I, I'd have to be a metal bender to be an earth bender, though, as well as mud. Like we got to control all that and sand. Let's get it all, bro. Like if I'm doing earth, if you if you were sand, you'd be like Gara. It'd be lit. I'd be like a mixture of Gara and Crocodile from One Piece. She would be cash money. But another discussion that's going to come up is like, where does Avatar rank among the top animes? And it has a case, man. It really does have a case against some of the contemporaries from Japan and France with Radiant and, and, and Korea with as we see Tower of God. But I'm excited to watch uh, Avatar once again. Maybe this will get me to like Korra, like, but I don't think so. I feel so. like this is the, the Brads and Chads anime where it's like, it's, it's oh, a yeah, anime. No, I watch I watch anime. I watch Avatar. <laughs> it's it's a Merrimay, man. I ain't gonna hate on it, so, but because I love oh, it. Oh no, it's amazing! Like it's it's well deserved to be watched by everyone. No facts, facts. Next up, we got Johnny Campbell is to direct an adaptation of David Cope's novel Cold Storage. The project will mark Johnny's first uh film, first major film. Although he has experienced working in television, as such as Westworld, Doctor Who, and the BBC's recent take on Dracula. Cope has served as a screenwriter on numerous blockbusters such as Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible. And this is what the story is going to be about. Cold Storage follows a Pentagon a bioterror operative named Roberto Diaz. When he's sent into an investigation of a suspect biochemical attack, he finds something far worse, a highly mutative organism capable of extinction-level destruction. He contains it, buries it in cold storage deep beneath a little-used military repository. It's Godzilla. Uh, uh, all right. I, got, I, need, a, I need, like, a, a, a cast where this is going to be. But the guys worked on Westworld and Doctor Who and Dracula, so I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I mean, this is going to be this guy's first major film, but it seems like it seems like something boy. that's going to be in the vein of like a, a monster horror meets Jurassic Park. Yeah. So I, I think that um, it could be really interesting if he does get the right pieces around it and the right studio behind it. But um, but yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm I'm interested in seeing more about it. One hundred percent. Next up, we got. This coming out this week, which we'll talk about a little later, we got the new trailer for a Netflix series by Ryan Murphy, Hollywood. This trailer was, it, it hit me as, and I said this to you off air, it's either going to be hella corny or it's going to be pretty damn good. And I don't see it as any in between. It's him rewriting the story of Hollywood, I'm assuming with using African-American people, gay people, Asian people, and just diversifying Hollywood earlier in that 50s and 40s time and like what would have happened. So to me, this seems it could be like really, really cheesy or it could be fire. Who knows? That's just how I feel. Initial thoughts of you in the trailer, because some of the trailer got me as like, oh, this is corny. But some of the trailer was like, damn, this could be lit. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it could be like his meld between Glee and American Horror Story, where it could be a little corny, but it also could tell some really compelling like thriller kind of vibes yeah you know, like it could it could be it can sometimes probably make you feel like you're on your toes but it's but a lot of the time it'll probably be like a little lighthearted. Mm-hmm. um i'm i'm a darren chris stan so you know i'm down for whatever darren chris is doing so mm. let's let's jump let's jump into it i want to see him in this new role and darren chris how. would be a good reverse flash shoo yeah or, or captain cold 
Yeah, I mean, I feel like he'd, he could be a, a solid villain in a Flash verse. I'm pretty sure he did in the show. Oh, yeah, he was. Oh, yeah, he was the music meister because they did the singing crawl. Oh, yeah, damn. Ooh, but Dan Chris's like status is like elevated since then, so like I could see. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. So one hundred, but but this could only help if it does well. If it's good, yeah, one hundred percent. So I guess we'll see how this goes this weekend. So, but that's all I got on that, Chuby. So I never got what studio was, I guess, primary wave. But so the Whitney Houston biopic is supposed to be happening. I titled "I Want to Dance with Somebody." Um, Oof. It's in development by the photograph director, Stella McGee. Um, the Whitney Houston Estate, Primary Wave, Clive Davis, and Anthony McCartan are producing the film. And um, McCartan, whose credits include Two Popes and Darkest Hour, Bohemian Rhapsody, and The Theory of Everything, is writing the script. Okay, well, they better get into the crack abuse. So that's all I got to say. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, <laughs> like we got to get into this, we got to get into Bobby Brown, baby, putting the rock. That's why I wanted to figure <laughs> out, like, you know, what's the studio doing this? Because, like, they need to tell like a story. Yeah, like, they need to like. I, I need to. I need to know like, about I, her suspicions. Like she, these biopics, like you know, that's what people were upset about with Bohemian Rhapsody was that we didn't get enough into the nitty gritty. Like, let's let's get into it. Don't beat around the bush. Like, I need like, to know about her lesbian, like, lover. I need to know about I mean, her. like, how much would Bobby let be told? And, and Bobby not with the crack shit right now. <laughs> like, Bobby is so anti. He lost his, his wife. He lost his daughter. Like, Bobby is anti that. Like, I remember, uh, whatchamacallit. But this is, this is very disrespectful, so I don't think this, is, this could be used. But it could be used in, my, in the argument for why Bobby wouldn't want it to be done. But Pusha T recently, as his album cover, used the place where Whitney overdosed as, like, his cover, like, the, the scene of it. And Bobby was pissed. Oh, my as, God. Yeah, I'd be upset, too. But, like, and that's what I'm saying. I don't know how much they're going to, you know, let, let fly off. And yeah. what we're going to talk about later, like, there's other documentary, there's other, not documentaries, there's other biopics I would love to see if you could get down to the nitty-gritty before Whitney. But, like, if you're going to tell... The crack abuse and all that, cool. But I'm kind of, if I'm being honest, I kind of got some of the Whitney side when the New Edition movie came out. I'm kind of Whitney New Edition out. Well, and and that's my kind of my thing, too, is that the New Edition document, or not document, but biopic, wasn't a theatrical release, and it it was was really good. Yeah, it was. And, like, I would rather do that than I would try and do, like, this big theatrical trying to get an oscar kind of film if but that's what whitney trying to do. new edition new edition well, I, get, I get stage. like who's bigger and what yeah and, and whitney's whatnot. more of a pop I mean, star like, and she crossed over to white audiences more than new edition so i get why you want to do a biopic with her well and i mean like this is going to be a larger discussion especially when we talk about what to do with like sports and biopics and stuff like that and this is something that a lot of other people who are talking, podcasters in the space are kind of discussing is like a lot of people really just want solid series. And to tell like a person's life story, I feel like it's just hard to do in a movie now because we don't have to do it. We're not limited to that. So like it would be better if it was sectioned. Yeah. Tell it more so in like television, HBO series, limited series stuff type like that. Like the BET thing did with, um, with New Edition. Like, yeah, it worked that really be, well. Like that could be a larger conversation about how like this the idea of movies 
can be can the whole future could be changed, especially going through the era that we're in right now. But I think but, certain, and we could we could talk about it now because I think certain directors do biopics well more. So, for example, Wolf of Wall Street, I don't think could work as a limited series. But that's that's almost a singular story instead of like True. going over a person's. Like decades of time, like you were, you know. They did though. Gonna, they they did go over. Like we saw him start off as as like this guy with Mark Hanna. We saw him get to the place where he was doing little stocks. Then we saw him open his business. Like then we we saw his whole life. Exp- and, well, his business life at least as Jordan Belfort. So I think it just some stories work better as as movies than than series. So I don't want to yeah, get guess, rid of them. But it, like I just you know. You can think about that for certain things. Like Straight Outta Compton did a lot of stuff. Like, but they miss stuff though, because like, miss stuff. Like you don't get the Ice Cube side of the story. And you have Bohemian Rhapsody in here, and Bohemian Rhapsody did. I a like Bohemian. You know. I, I like Bohemian Rhapsody too. I know they didn't cover as much as they should have, but I enjoyed the movie. So I mean, it, it all depends. Give and take. And I don't know much about the director because she's been she's fairly new. True. So we gotta see what's up with this, but. Cool. I just I need more information. We got to get down to the shits with it with that one. Okay. Well, speaking of director that we have definitely heard of, the upcoming feature from the from director Olivia Wilde will feature Florence Pugh, Shia LaBeouf, and Chris Pine. Solid cast, man. Don't worry, don't worry, darling. Ooh, sounds like a love type film. Maybe maybe thriller. Some I don't know. We got more information, but the, the the cast is Solid cool. Cast. Yeah, so good for Olivia Wilde. I feel like Shia LaBeouf is really trying to get back into the good graces of getting he should, into movies he after Honey a, Boy. He should be a big actor. He's talented. Well, now people understand him now. So, like, now's, just, now's the time for Shia LaBeouf to try and make his rise. And they put, attaching yourself with Florence Pugh, who's really the up-and-coming actress at the moment. And Chris know, Pine, who's, like, hitting all selling the blockbuster guy from Hella High Water to Wonder Woman to Star Trek. Like, he's hitting... All cylinders. He might be my favorite. Yeah. I think he's my favorite Chris in Hollywood between Pratt and Ooh. Evans. Oh, man. I mean, that's tough. I mean, they all very different. I, I think I go Pine, Pratt, Evans, Hemsworth. Definitely. Pratt's above Evans for sure. Evans got to give mean, me more. Even though I liked Evans' last couple of outings where he wasn't Captain America. I mean, America. I'm really interested in seeing his uh, Apple TV show that he's got going on right now. True, true. So. But know. as of now, Pratt just has more wins in my book. But what he did in Infinity War kind of put him down. And I know that's the story, but just like likability as an actor, man, it put him down. And then he has, you know, we haven't really seen him in a lot in a while. He's yeah, it's been a that, that uh, space, whatever, ninja. Oh, ca- cowboy ninja Viking. Cowboy ninja Viking. Never and that, got and it. That didn't pan out. And so. so, and so, and Pine's just been knocking it out the park. Like, Pine has to be number one. With well, Wonder Woman, the interesting thing with you know Pine being cast in this movie, he's also cast in a, a reboot of something from the twenties called The Saint. Mm, okay, could be interesting. Probably mobster. Okay, cool. I'm down to see Pine do his thing, man. But that's all we got for the news this week. Let's get into movie on the rise. We talked about yours a little bit earlier, so you can go ahead. Yeah, uh, I'm probably gonna watch Hollywood on Friday and check it out. Okay. Okay. So. That sounds we'll lit. It. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a, sh- a look as well this weekend. We'll come talk about it next Sunday. I got a new cartoon. It came out a couple. I don't, I, I think on it came 420. Out like, yeah, it came out on 420. Heard about it. Got onto it seven days later. But 
I really like this show. It's called Midnight Gospel. It's made by some of the people who worked on Adventure Time. And basically the premise is this guy's making a podcast, a space cast, a space video cast. And he goes to different dimensions, different Earths, and visits and interviews different people on the Earth. One time he interviewed the president of the United States on one episode. Another episode I saw, he interviewed these doll creatures who could talk, who were being abused by their overlord clown leaders like he just it's it's crazy man and like the colors the different animation it's like a acid and shroom trip just all on the screen it's adventure time but told like curse go wild do everything y'all did but times 10 and so far i'm really loving the show that's cool man like i definitely was saw this and was really interested in it it's you know taking the reins off of these Adventure Time guys and letting them really dive into a limitless That's playground. one thing I got to say about Netflix. I like the animation department and the way they're doing things. Paradise PD, we got... Even Castlevania. Though, Castlevania. Even though Disenchantment, I didn't really like season two as much as season one. BoJack Horseman, we got this. They really let their, they let their animation department run, run wild. They let their creators do their thing. And I think... In terms of original series, animation may be kicking live action's ass because there's so much live action that like the hits are sparse and but like Narcos was great. Ozark. Ozark's great. Uh, oh. The Irishman, like those are big things. Irishman. They're big things. So, but the animation has been qu- quality through and through. I mean, Bojack Horseman's award winning. So, I mean, they got they got some under their belt, but like. The other stuff is just dumb humor and fun, but that's that's the shit I love. Like Paradise PD not winning no Emmys, but that shit is hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> it is really funny. So they, so they are doing pretty well in, in that, and I definitely want to check that out. But let's, let's move on game. to the stuff. Yeah, man, let's get into the game before we get into um, the reviews. This was a really hard thing because everything I was thinking about for you, the actress you gave me, Zoe Saldana, is stuff that she's already in. Like okay. she, she was one of the most well cast people in Hollywood at the moment. Like I feel like everything that she's been in has been really her, and it's not like they haven't been giving her good roles. She was in Avatar, which is going to continue as a huge franchise. Is one she? I was one. Is she a good actress? Is she more physical? And- I think she's a little bit more physical, but not in a bad way. Like I feel no. like. But I don't think her acting talent, whereas Charlize Theron can back up her physicalness with just straight up great acting. I'm not well, saying see, Zoe like Saldana is a bad actress. I'm not going to cast Zoe Saldana in is I'm not going to like cast her in like in, Manchester uh, by the Sea. <laughs> no, or like Little Woman. Or, yeah, no, you know, no, no. I'm not, not going to do anything like that. But or Marriage Story. Consider- Even though Scarlett Joe did Marriage Story, I just don't think Zoe Saldana could have pulled off Marriage no. Story. No, but I, I would consider her in some of the other franchises because you know that's what I'm thinking. Like she was in, of uh, you know MCU. She was in Star Trek. She was in oh yes, yeah, she Avatar. was in Star Trek. Yeah. So, okay, so like, I can totally see her being in Star Wars. She could have been a Jenner. So who's better, her or Amelia Clark? Because I see her as in Solo. She could have been. Uh, well, she would have been underutilized in Solo because Amelia Clark's character is too much a- of a. I'm going to be in the shadows and I'm not really going to do anything. So like, you know, Zoe Saltana would be like, she would have been, I think she would have been a really good Ahsoka Tano if they were going to make it more serious than, you know, Rosario Dawson's a good cast for it, if, for what you're doing. But, but like, Zoe Saldana's you're going like, to okay. take it to the next level. 
that's who you get. You get Zoe Saldana to be Ahsoka Tano. But I mean, like, that's the thing. Like, I just don't want a typecaster or someone who has to play like an alien character. I got a role in, you're supposed to be giving me movies, but I just thought of one off rip. Anna DeArmas' role in Knives Out. Could Zoe Saldana done that? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I, I, think, all right. I think she could have done that. I don't know. It's, but I, it, Is it, it as yeah. believable? I don't think so. Yeah, you know, I mean, I really think that Anna Darmus is about to hit her stride in Hollywood. Like, same. I feel like you know, we're about to see like Anna Darmus be like big time. Yeah, like, no, I'm with you. I'm I mean, with you on that. I mean, I feel like people could play the roles that she's been doing, but like, but like, who could bring it out? Yeah, no. Okay, so give so, me some, give me some movies for Zoe because I picked this one because I thought it was challenging. Like, I feel like Zoe's like a it is very of- challenging. But like, the thing about it is, what's easy is that you can pretty much put her into any franchise i feel like she could have been in the hobbit she could play an elf like an elf I feel like, Ooh. yeah yeah like she uh what's you know kate from lost or whatever her you know her character in, in lost no not what yeah i mean probably so but i'm just oh. saying like in, for her character in the hobbit series or the okay, okay 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 um, yeah yeah okay but i mean I like can... i feel like she could have been in harry potter like as who uh I mean, I feel like if um, if that's the thing, like you, I don't think that she could be a set character. But I'm saying, like, if she had a character written in for her, and okay. I feel like she would fit in the franchise. Is what I'm saying. Like, I feel okay, like okay. she could fit into any franchise and like make it work. Like, can she's she not, have been in Atomic Blonde? I just don't know if I see her as like a secret agent. No, me neither. That I feel like that was more for last week's person of uh. Of uh, what's her name? Gosh, I'm um, Lupita uh, Nyong'o. Yeah, yeah Lupita Nyong'o could have definitely been a, a secret agent. Okay, so give me some movies, bro. Like, give me some. You think she could have been in Mad Max? No, not Mad Max. Um, let's geez. replace some. Let's replace some Scarlet Rose because she have done Lucy. Because she did do Colombiana, which was her secret agent movie, but it was it was alright. It's better than Soul. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could do Lucy, but, but I don't think she could have done uh, Ghost in the Shell. Actually, no. I think she could have. Eh. I think what she could have. I think she could have did Lucy more than Ghost in the Shell. Okay. Yeah, see, I, I can see it. Because I don't like her as a secret agent. Because like Lucy, she's kind of like a superhero. Could she have been in? Hmm. Could she have been in the new uh, Terminator movie? Sure. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like she would fit into any franchise mold. Like, she's like this one actress that like is um. Okay, I got a better one. Let's replace some MCUs. Could she have been Captain Marvel? No. Could she have been Scarlet Witch? No. Could she have been Black I just, Widow? It, you, what, the, the thing, I could think she could have been Black Widow. Okay. But the thing with Scarlet Witch and um, with the other one, with Captain Marvel, I feel like she's... Captain Marvel needed someone that was all, like, all-encompassing, like, you know... I need someone as big as Brie Larson. Yeah, I don't they, know they needed a star. Bad. Yeah, Zoe Saldana's needed, not a star. And so, like, they needed someone that was gonna like bring everyone in. It's like, oh, Captain Marvel, put baby by Brie Larson. I mean, I gotta watch that movie. But like, could she have been Black Widow? Yeah, and like with Scarlet Witch, I just feel like that's way too underutilized for her. Like, she didn't need to be that. Could like, she have been Wonder Woman? No. Yeah. No. Could, okay. I think she could have been Jen Erso though. Yeah, she could have been Jen Erso. She, I don't think she could have been Ray, but I mean, it's just no, age. No, no, no. Yeah, no. Zoe Saldana could not have been Ray. Could she have been one of either Harley Quinn, Scar, uh, Harley she Quinn? She could have been um, the one that uh, Journey Smollett played. Oh, I think she could have been both of them. Hawk, uh, uh, Huntress and uh, 
Black Canary. Yeah. Yeah. Could she replace could she replace Emily Blunt in Edge of Tomorrow? Yeah. Ooh. See, I don't mm, yeah, because she's more physical than Emily Blunt, but Emily Blunt made me believe it. Like, she really made me believe it. Okay. Um, could she? Hmm. I don't think I have any other ones. It's just, it's just like, you know, some other ones that I was thinking of were some, like, Amy Adams stuff. Because, like, it's like, could you think, consider her? That's the kind of thing that you got to think. She couldn't have done a rival. Fuck no. That's what I'm saying. Like, she couldn't have done a rival. She couldn't have done, like, any of, like, the other, it, yeah, like, no, American uh, Hustle or, like, you know. Anything like that. So, like, that's the thing. It's just really hard to put her in something that big-time actresses are in. And it's not like saying that she's not a big-time actress. She's just more of a blockbuster actress. She's not someone that's going to be, like, going up for Oscars. But, I mean, like, she is going to be in movies that could be going up for Oscars. You watch season one of Westworld, huh? Yeah. You watch Tandy Newton's character? Yeah. Could she, could she replace Maeve? Yeah. Or Dolores? Mm. See, I don't know. I, I think she may be... Nah, Dolores had great acting, but I feel the same about Maeve. I don't think she could have replaced Stanley Newton either. Because Stanley Newton brought it. I don't know if Zoe Saldana got them chops like that. Like, that's what I'm talking like you. Like, Thandie Newton brought it, bro. Like, let's not undersell Thandie. No, dude, she's awesome. Just I like mean, she brought I was gonna, it for like five seconds in solo. Yeah, I was going to say, like, The Preacher, that's another TV show. Oh, could yeah, she have replaced? Could she? No, 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 no. I'm not talking about Thandie Newton because Thandie no, was. I know. I'm talking I'm about saying, could she replace like, Ruth Negga? No, she could bring it. Oh, like, Dandy? No, I'm saying for Zoe or, or Zoe. Oh, you're but saying I mean, Zoe like, could have brought it in, in Preacher for Ruth Nega. I mean, like, if we're talking TV, like, TV, she could jump in and do anything. Like, See, she could, oh, man, I think Ruth Nega's a better actress than Zoe Saldana. I do. Like, Zoe Saldana has the, the, the sex appeal in the, in the physical acting appeal where she's a blockbuster action actress whereas like if you're gonna be on tv baby you gotta bring some chops these days like roof nigga got the skills dandy newton got skills i don't know if she beating them out like acting acting. Uh, i don't know that's a tough one all right cool this this is a fun week zoe saldana we'll see what they what they got going on soon but let's get into you know let's talk about dave bro this week was nuts it was tough (laughs) okay it was tough it was a headache who was not right? In a bad way. Who was right? Who was wrong? Oh, Dave was wrong, bro. You thought Dave like, was wrong? Yes. Okay, let me let me break down why I thought Dave was right. He wasn't there. <laughs> like he he couldn't give her like five seconds. I think okay. I think it's a combination of them both being wrong. I think Dave right. is right first because like okay, you say he wasn't there, and Dave when they go to because the whole premise of this is Dave getting away for the weekend, going with his girlfriend. To his sister. Did he get away for the weekend? Wait, let me. Let me just in a different place. Let me do the recap, brother. Let me just do the recap real quick so I can do my explanation. So Dave goes with his girlfriend to uh, his girlfriend's sister's wedding, and they do the whole wedding thing. And it in they have a big argument about Dave's commitment levels because he's signing a big record label deal at this point, and like uh, she wanted time, and they give a big speech at the end. So that's basic. That's the premise, and they and we don't know if Dave leaves the thing or if he doesn't leave, if they're broken up or what. Okay. First off, I got to say this. For someone to sign a record contract of $250,000, that's a big fucking deal. Like, that's huge. That's his life's work. Like, that is fucking huge. So you have to give him some leeway with that. Next explanation. 
when they were at dinner with his parents, he was all in the carrot thing. Like, all of that was cute. He was talking to pops. He was talking to mom. It's not my fault you got a bad relationship with your family. That was the crux of the issue. It was not Dave. Granted, she wanted Dave's support for certain instances, which he should have given her 100%. But your anger is not at Dave. Your anger is at your sister and your family. 100%. Like, Yes, Dave was wrong, but you was wrong too. Like, you have to understand, my guy is there with you. You're not picking up on the instance where he is. Some things he got to handle business. He's about to make 250000 for us. Like, he's about to make it for the family. But she wasn't stopping him from answering phone calls is, like, the thing. Like, What was he doing? Like, what was he doing? What did he do that was like, wrong? He, like, he just, he, like, legitimately didn't, like, <laughs> talk. Or, like, everything was about a song that he wanted to do. Like, even in the beginning, like, little interlude bullshit thing. Like, he's just fire. like. was <laughs> fire. It was fire. Like, like if that gets on an they album. It at the end, when oh, they replayed it at the fire. end, like, that shit was fire. But, like. Okay, I get you. So, the main problem I see with the episode is the hike. The main, like. Yeah, the hike. And then, like, the, the moment with the picture or whatever. The picture, the picture, the picture. That was like where he he pretty much is like about to be like oh yeah you know I f- the whole thing she's been asking for all weekend is like for him to like give a little bit of a shit about her speech and he's about oh. to actually give a shit about her speech and then like the fan comes up and like wants to take the picture and makes her take the picture and oh, shit like okay, that okay yeah then, like, yeah <laughs> but that's not his fault is that but but like instead of instead of acknowledging that in that in, during that day that he'd fucked up he like picked at a little tiny thing that she said of like him not being present at all when he knows damn well that he's been present I didn't and he doesn't have thing. and and he doesn't have to be like what i'm not present ever like you know sarcastic little punk being like bro like you know this that's not what she meant she's just saying like today you have not been you've not been engaged what about last so you night? To get your shit up what about last night when I was t- when when me and you pops cooling and kicking, what, you, having a good you time. Brownie points for every time that you do something good in the relationship, like no, bro. But you can't just say I'm never pre- like the word never is is, is that's <laughs> that's a huge connotation. <laughs> See, this that's is why I was the upset. Kind of stuff that I, they always say that upset that upset me because it's like, yo, okay, they really don't mean that. First off, I I agree he should like because when I go with my girlfriend stuff, I don't pick up my phone. Like that's just me. I try not to, like, sometimes I have, but, like, I try not to. Oh, no, like, I've had this discussion before where, like, if the phone rings, I'm going to pick it up. You yeah, I got me, Like, I'm not, like, I can't I, if, be picking it up. If it's my mom, I'll, like, if someone calls me, I'll answer. But, like, text and shit, I won't really, resp- I won't respond to text. I won't get on Twitter. But, and, and, I, and that's why I say he was wrong. He should have been in the picture. He should have talked to her. But you can't get mad at my G for if a fan comes up to him while y'all eating dinner. And wants to take a picture with him. Granted, he could have said, and I, and, I, and I know the counter argument, but I have the counter to the counter. Why doesn't he say, look, I'm, with, I'm having dinner with my girl. We spending well, I mean, time right now. I don't, but I, don't I got the counter. I like, the scene exactly, and I don't even think it was about that for real. It was just like the exchange that was going on. Oh, no, no, that, I know. Even, even she without was, the picture. But she was like, I, mean, I don't want to have to take pictures of you and a fan. I want to be in pictures with you. I, and that to me is like, he could have said no, but, like, you got to understand where my guy is. See, I get it from the uh, Dave's a creative perspective. Dave is coming up. 
I ain't turning down no picture with someone that wants to take a picture with me. If they but say I'm they not fuck saying that that was the issue. Like, it was not about the fans wanting to take the picture or her taking the picture. Like, that was, it was about the whole exchange of what they, of like, he was just checked in for a second. That whole thing happens and he couldn't check back in. He was just like, He's wrong. He should have thinking about he should have been he should have checked back in. He, like that's why I say I, I'm not 100 defending Dave because Dave was wrong. But I'm saying like we can't act like Allie wasn't wasn't tripping because like can we agree that her anger stemmed from her anger with her sister and her mother and her mother putting expectations on her about being ambitious. But my but- issue with that, and I guess this is our differences as people. But, like, I noticed that, and I'm like, okay, well, the stuff that this chick's saying is not what she's really saying. Like, she's over-exaggerating, over-hyping. So I'm not going to extend her anger by being like, oh, so you're saying that everything I've ever done in the relationship <laughs> has not been present? Like, you can't you're just get- asking for a fight, bro. But I get that. But my thing is, and this is a thing, like, that I just feel as a human. It's like, if I'm there for you, don't take your anger out on me. Like, I... I I, I get it. I can be the punching bag sometimes, but like I can't be the punching bag every day. Like you can't come at me because every you're fake. Like this was this one <laughs> instance, one weekend. I did. He didn't even wasn't even like he. She wasn't even riding him that hard. <laughs> she like, was. Oh, oh no! <laughs> no way. He's over here just thinking about daisies and roses and. Like, sure, but it's you know, not. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I also think we're not. I he didn't also have think, to do anything. Like she. I, I also think you're not taking in account the fact that my guy had to decide on a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar record deal. That is huge, Schubert. That's like if Fox. You need to just you need to sit around and meditate on it. You just need to be like, oh, you don't want to get fucked. I can't do I can't do anything fucking else but think about like this two hundred fifty thousand dollars that I'm gonna that I have to make a decision on in like several days. Like, you know, I can't he had to, spend no, every wait. fucking waking moment. He had to decide by Saturday. That I didn't even know if I could sign. He had to sign it by Saturday night. He had a deadline. Because I bet you next episode they're going to tell him he was too late. Nah, if that, ha- if that happens. Vindication for Lynn? A little bit. <laughs> okay. If she, if she fucks it up. Like, <laughs> yeah. you can't be fucking boy shit up. Like, you can't. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm fucking talking about. Excuse my language. This is going to be on fucking Twitter. This is a clippable moment. Bro, like my guy is trying to make a future not only for you, but for him and the family. Like your parents are cool. Like I get the fact that y'all have deep-rooted issues because your family doesn't think you're ambitious. They think your boyfriend's ambitious. They think your girl, your sister's ambitious. I get you. And, 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 and don't get it twisted, ladies, because I agree with Allie with the wedding speech. You have to be ambitious with your dream, but you have to show the person you love with your time. Like, you have to give them their time. That's why I agree with Allie. But I just think if she went, goes about something different, Dave goes about something different. And maybe that's me giving Dave too much credit, and maybe that's me siding with the bro, but I just feel that way. Dave has shown me no, no reason not to feel that way. I don't know, man. I just feel like the real issue of the whole thing for me was just the argument. Like you, you could, you didn't have to make digs. Like that's where you dig yourself in the hole. It's like that's the whole thing that breaks people up is that you can't like you know accept certain times in the argument where you just got to be, you, you got to win, you got to fucking win. Like you, know, you, you can't just like you know take Let your it punches go. and be like, okay, well I get the situation here. Like I mean, like I just got to like you know act like I get what you're saying and then pretend to be better. Like, you know, just, <laughs> hey, 
Take it let's on see, the chin. Let's see, that's like, fake, though. Y'all like, have to be a fake with it. You're like, oh, let me pretend to listen to this. Like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, no, bro, that's going to come back and bite each other in the ass anyway. So, like, you might as well get your point across. And maybe if you discuss it, then maybe I'll come to a resolution. <laughs> I'm all about communication. I, but sometimes you got to get your arguments out there. But like I said, Dave was wrong with certain things because he should have definitely helped this girl with the speech. She knew that was important to her. But she should have paid a little more. Like, don't act like this record deal ain't nothing light. Like, that, that ain't light work, baby girl. Like, this wedding was, will be over in a week in a couple days. It was kind of funny when, like, you know, he was like pretty much zoned in on nothing else, but like, you know, you know, his what was going on. So, like, the whole rabbit deal. Because, <laughs> like, they get he gets, he kills that rabbit or whatever, like several times backing up, and then he's just like, oh yeah, dude, nothing happened. And then that was chicks, gross. Like, you're mortified. Bro. That was gross. And then when you find the backstory to the rabbit, it's just like, ooh, is that their relationship? Did he run over it? Is that, like, metaphor? Because the story with the rabbit about the magic, like, ooh, good episode, man. Damn, that was, see, we spent that much time. Like, that's what the television does. That was good. Are they done? Do you think they're done? I don't think they're done. I hope they're not. No, I feel like the end of of it was more of, like, him, like, accepting what she had said and, like, realizing, like, what his role needs to turn into i suppose and that really was wrong yeah 100 percent. word solid episode dave super solid got me and shuby over here talking for some hot minutes about this i, I knew that was gonna bring though because like that week's episode was major bro that was major like i was like Ooh. do now with the next stuff do we want to save last dance mm, and talk about got, extraction first yeah because i feel like we have a lot more to talk about with last dance yeah we talk about extraction trash yeah don't watch that (laughs) wait wait i'm not gonna say don't watch it's like a mediocre action film if you're an action film fan if you like gerard butler movies give it a watch but it's like a c movie maybe even a c (laughs) minus is it a d (laughs) no i mean it's a c minus i suppose (laughs) like there's there's some really solid sequences that you're like, whoa, like this cool, this cool. Like in the very beginning, like the action like, was on point. There's just yeah, no story behind the action. No, and like they did a very bad job of like telling you what was going on. There was a good second, like that opening sequence, not opening sequence, but like the early on time that I'm talking about where, you know, he he's escaping. Like they realize the extraction's gone bad, and you, and mm. there's a double cross, but you don't even understand what the double cross is because you're just. You're just like, all of a sudden, what is this dude doing? Where like? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. With the uh, homies, the the uh, Avi's families, like the the guy in charge of the money. Like, how did he double? Like, but that, but he said that though. Like, you have to be paying attention, good, because I because I watch everything with subs. Well, no, they explain it after the whole. But they say it before because he tells his wife he's like. There's a there's an opportunity like when he's talking to his wife before they do the whole thing he asks his wife yeah for, I, I get that and that's a little bit of foreshadowing yeah that's foreshadowing really it was the, but you don't really get the full explanation of it until like after the whole fights happen so you're oh, sitting facts. there the whole time being being like okay so what really was that like why did he end up just killing all those people like <laughs> how can both of them sustain sustain getting hit by cars also don't like the villain of this like the villain was one hundred percent mustache it's like, twirling it's the other drug dealer. It's the guy who was sitting. I'm saying, like, in the beginning as well, like, you don't really understand, like, who's the who's the actual villain here, and it's like Chris Hemsworth fighting both parties and just to save the kid. Like, it's just like. I'm not gonna lie. For the longest, I thought homies, Avi's pops's guy. I thought he was like working with the other dude, like he took a deal. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. But then, like, it, it was just like, okay, no, he just trying to save him, and then like get him out of there. 
It was, I thought this movie. And then the whole BS with um, what's his face from Stranger Things, like that didn't even need to be in there. Like that was oh. annoying. Are we talking about <laughs> David Harbour taking a check? <laughs> yeah, dude, taking a check. <laughs> BS. Like, and that was like, it was like the whole movie was like, <laughs> like super loud. Like I had it like, you know. Yeah, it was. It was really loud. But then I get this little David Harbor BS shit, and I have to turn it up to like thirty-five because all they're doing is just whispering about like their past times. Like, oh man, like, thank you so much for saving my life, but I got to double cross you, bro, because like I'm gonna and, die. I'm and because they're all fu- they're all fucked up on pills. Because let's not act like Chris Hemsworth isn't a pill addict. Like that whole storyline. The whole time we don't understand who the flashback he's seeing. Is that his mom? Is that his daughter? Is that his wife? Like. Well, I mean, like, for, for the whole of the time, I'm thinking, like, it's a son, and then it goes to the very end, I'm like, oh, that's a girl? Yeah, like, so who is who is that girl? We don't get no yeah. information on that. We uh, The lady who hires him is basically just a plot point, like, who ends up killing the, the homie, the uh, villain at the end, randomly. Like, why'd you end up killing that guy? But whatever. So we don't get her whole thing, because the whole time it looks like when they pan to her, she's, like, double-crossing him as well. So I thought, like, she was the double-crosser. There's no double-crosser. The, the people end up just extracting him. And then he just dies from Farhad. Like, why does Farhad get the last kill on Chris Hemsworth? Lame. Farhad ends up cutting one of his fingers off for old pa- Indian Pablo Escobar for no reason, just because he let Chris Hemsworth go. Homie wasn't even going to cut off Farhad's finger, that fucking dumbass. So, like, yeah. Jesus. And I, the, the Russo brothers... Oh, go ahead. Finish it up. Oh, uh, no. The, the Russo brothers, what? Tw- this is tweeting Ken uh, Travis or, or Tyler Rake, whatever his fucking last name is, beat John Wick in a fight. Nigga, get, if you don't get all opioid addicted Tyler Rake out of here, John Wick would stab him through his freaking veins with a John pencil. Wick was fighting assassins. Yeah. Tyler Rake was fighting like children. dudes, children in flip flops and, you know, dudes, dudes like bare wearing bare, yeah, bare feet, you know, gym shorts. Like, he wasn't fighting nobody serious, bro. And, like, I guess, like, you could argue that he was fighting, like, the cops or the Bangladesh police or whatever. But how trained but are I mean, they? Like, yeah, how trained are they? And they were getting their butt kicked by, like, some BS. And then like, the colonel, the colonel was just dropping people like flies. <laughs> his character just came out of nowhere as like an antagonist. Like, why was he sniping? So <sighs> just ran. And then also, how was the? They show the homie as like the the business mind of the drug dealers group. When does he turn into an assassin? He just starts taking niggas out left and right, fighting capable with Tyler Rake. I don't know, man. Like, it this was, movie was a hot mess. It was just action porn. That's all. It, it was action and gore. Pretty porn. much. Yeah. So and it was. I don't know. Any rememberable uh, scenes besides like the the fight scenes? Like any? There's no dialogue worth remembering. No. Yeah, no, man. This was it was. Also, I think if it's recasted with a more serious actor and they give the script a little bit a nudging, I think this is a better movie. I don't like Chris Hemsworth in it. I just saw Chris Hemsworth. Yeah, so I saw. Uh, I saw. Yeah. Like I think if this is done with like. A better seemed, actor in a better script. This is a good movie. Like the the skeletons to the story is good. Like it's in it's in a it's like a it's a time limit movie. Like with bank heist movies, with like uh get to point A to point B movies. There's like it's a it's a construct that should work. I just feel that 
they didn't fully flesh it out, man. Like, I love the idea that it's in India. I love how these... these it was different- Bangladesh. Or Bangladesh. Well, yeah. And I love how it was in Bangladesh. But, like, the, the city that they were on, it was, like, very close to India and Bangladesh. Like, they went inside India, took him, and brought him to the other drug dealer zone. So, I mean, that was... It was whatever. Code 8's a better movie. And you haven't even finished it. Yeah, I know. But, but that movie has the same problem where I see Stephen Amell is just Stephen Amell. Like, it's... it's some of these actors, after they do their superhero stuff, they just can't transition out. Like, I think Chris Evans is doing well with it, with Knives Out and everything. That worked with him. This, this is the Apple, the Apple Plus show. And this is just like, even Snowpiercer worked for him. Like, I didn't see Chris oh, Evans. Yeah. Like, that was great. So I can't wait for that t- series to come out, by the way. Holy crap. Stephen Amell, did, he did a good job in Code 8, but it's like, I like this because it's I'm seeing, I'm liking Stephen Amell be a little darker. But like, I don't know if I believe him as the character as much as I'm just liking the actor. And same thing with Chris, Chris Hemsworth, man. I don't think he killed it in this. Like I, like I told you, I thought it was just Fat Thor, but give, instead, of, instead of a fat suit, he had an opioid. Uh, give the trailer guy all the money. Yeah, the trailer guy sold it. He the trailer, made it the trailer guy sold it. They're num- it's number one on Netflix. Like The trailer guy saved, you know, or, you know, made people watch this crap fest. So, you know, blame him. Yeah. To him. Trash, bro. That was a waste of a Friday night, me watching that. I could have watched some other movies. Like, Jesus Christ. But let's get to something that was fire. Last Dance, episode three and four. The the basically the... The Rodman episode and and the the Phil Jackson. Well, yeah. It was the Rodman and the Phil Jackson episode. But through the Phil Jackson, you get the first title. Exploration. So it's basically Mike getting the Pistons through Rodman's eyes and the Pistons beating up on Mike. We see like Rodman's transition from being uh, this well-mannered kid, Otto, who was 25, who got kicked out of his house to becoming this icon that Rodman Which we'd was. seen before through the bad boys. But we, so, I mean, a lot, some of it was rehashed, but they did t- dial in on a lot of newer things. Like the Madonna um, relationship. That's what I was about to say. Like the whole deal with him and Madonna. Carmen Electra. Well, yeah, but Carmen Electra, but like the, how Madonna kind of like opened up this new world in him. Like, I think actually probably made him better than what he was in Detroit mm-hmm. basketball wise, because like it just kind of like in a way. He's being himself. Up, yeah. Opened up his game and like his, his entire like emotion to being like, yeah, I mean, like I'm going to do whatever I can to like. I just want to be free and be happy and be myself mm-hmm. as long as I'm happy. And then it, it, eventually he gets out of there to San Antonio, which was then- a miserable spot. Like Jesus Robin yeah. in San Antonio. Like it just, so it, it just worked out for him that he got with Phil Jackson because Phil Jackson's this hippie. Like feel like, like if you watch the garden of Eden or when the garden was eaten, you know, Phil Jackson was a hippie. <laughs> like that 30 for yeah. 30 definitely told you if this was and like, like that, that whole deal with him and their tribe relationship, like the, the how Native they, Ameri- yeah, how they both the like Native that. American thing. Like they, they like that history part of it and they, they could bond over that. And, and like the zenness of it, the religion the zen-ness of, of it all. Like, I feel like that was ended up being like the perfect place for Rodman. Cause that was the discussion. It was like, how do you bring someone who has been known for the bulls for a long time as being like this guy who like, Beats a, beat him around and like you know, Mike how does didn't he, like, care though. Into it? Well, Mike, yeah, I mean, it, well, it, it works it goes, though. It goes both ways. Like you know, Mike was like, I want him to be that guy for us, and Rodman is like, I respect Michael Jordan and want to play for him. Does that happen in today's NBA? Does like yes. The, like but I, does someone think, okay? 
in the example that I can think of, Kevin Durant is not the Rodman. He's more of Jordan and the Bulls going to join. He's like if Jordan left the Bulls going to if join you wanna, Rodman. If you want to look at a Rodman I'm, in I, today's I need, standards, it's it's Draymond. Yeah, but and that's what I'm saying. But it's it's the reverse. Whereas Mike went join the Pistons. Draymond didn't leave Golden State to go play with OKC. That's the that's yeah. the that's the difference. Whereas I don't think if it's like I don't I don't know if that happens today. Like for example, like if if LeBron wasn't going to join the Celtics after they were kicking his ass. Wait, so you're saying like like let's looking at uh, I guess Cavs um, Warriors. So you're saying like Kyrie would never consider playing with the Warriors. I don't think so. I mean, I feel like LeBron would play with Steph Curry if he but, was offered. But okay, yeah, but see, it's okay. So we got to think of if. If okay, so if the Warriors beat the Cavs all that time, would LeBron accept Draymond after kicking him in the nuts? Oh, that's a good question. That's that's the situation. Would, but I mean, would he like, accept him? He never really had serious beef with Rodman, though. That's the thing. That's like, true. More Scotty, Scotty, like, yeah, and Bill, and having issues with Isaiah and Bill Lambeer and all those other. Yeah, homies. like he had more issues with like the Pistons as a team, but like at the end of the day, he saw him as an asset. And, like, yeah. the difference between, like, looking at that in the perspective and using Draymond Green as the example is that Draymond Green isn't as essential as a player. Like, this is pretty much, like, being, like, okay, uh, well, it's, it's honest. I'm, it's being honest. Like, at the end of the day, Draymond Green, he might get in the Hall of Fame just because he was on a good team. But, I mean, if Draymond Green was on any other team, like, he's not bringing them to the finals. Like, he, he's – He's Rodman, okay, like, let, I mean, me get, let, me, let me give Rodman a sidekick to the sidekick where Rodman – Let me know, give Draymond some slack because Rodman was on two great teams. And, he, and the first time, he wasn't asked to do nothing but come off the bench and be a spark. The third one, he is Draymond in the situation. He is the Draymond role for when Stefan won that first championship. Yeah, but, I, you know, I even think his role is even more essential. Yeah, probably so because of the boarding and rebounds and big men were more essential back then. No, 100%. I ain't, I ain't disagreeing with that. Uh, but yeah, no, these episodes were crazy. The forty, the where Phil was like, "Oh yeah, his, Robin's his forty-eight like, hour vacation." Yeah, where he, Robin's like, "I gotta take a vacation." Mike was like, "Don't let him go." But Phil was like, "Now nah, we gotta let him go, or he won't come, or he won't come back." Phil's like, "Mike's like, he won't come back either way. Just let's make this nigga stay here." <laughs> and Robin was like, "Yo, bro, I'm gone." Robin was gone for like eighty something. How I many hours it ended up being? Like ninety something. It was hours. more like, yeah, like three days. Yeah, it was, was like, it was, I think it was like an extra day. And then Mike is like knocking on the door, and Carmen Electra like, "I'm like naked or whatever." And Mike, goes, I gotta oh, hide. Yeah. <laughs> that was awesome. And then I like how we go through the '91 series with the next episode, learning about how Phil kind of took over from Doug Williams, and that makes sense because Mike was getting all the scoring titles. That that I didn't know. Like I, I didn't. I also thought that that era was interesting because, like, we don't really know much about it, and of course, like the iconic uh, shot, shot against the Cavs. You, do, a lot of people kind of consider that in the title years, but that was even before that. See, I thought that was in the title years. See, yeah, me too. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this was just like a one-off series against the Cavs, like, and when they played five games in the playoffs. Yep. Like, it gives LeBron fans more argument, like Jordan couldn't didn't get it done in the playoffs sometimes as well. Oh, I don't know about all that. I mean, he got it done in the playoffs. Like. <laughs> he don't, but I'm just saying it gives them some wiggle room for where it's like it took Jordan some time to get through the hurdles of ball. Oh, and of like and, of like and, the and at the end of the day, he needed Scotty players and, around yeah. him. He needed Scotty. He needed him to be incorporated. He needed Horace Grant, Grant. To, be, to play up to his level and be a big. You know, to, be Dennis, to be Dennis Rodman of the first big three, because Horace Grant is the big three of the first series. And I think next week when they previewed the drama between Horace and the team, 
Horace didn't get the act, the shine that he thought he got just tossed aside for Rodman. It's like Horace was the young dude y'all developed and y'all just got rid of him. But we're going to see if he wasn't producing. We're going to see what the beef was next week. But the big three was Scotty, Mike, and Horace for the first, for the first three peat. Yeah. Yeah. And then Rodman became that. And like, that's even looking back and par- making parallels. It's like at the end of the day, the, even the stars got to have, you know, a, at least two. Yep. Like, no gotta, facts. You got to have options. Like, I love and- I love seeing Mike being candid in this with that yeah. with that player where he was on the thing. He's like, bro, you like Dennis Rodman Jr. Just getting fucked up. He's like, M, M, my parents go see this. Tell your damn parents you're an alcoholic. <laughs> I was like, oh, MJ, let's go, baby. And yeah, then- <laughs> and I, I loved, like, hearing about him as well. Like, you know, when he was in the scoring title time, like, he was, he was enjoying everything and, like, things were going well and it was because he was getting the ball and then it moves into this new Phil Jackson era of things and he's like, yeah, man, we got to win. Yeah, like, we got to work out. I love that we got, part. We got, we got to work out. We got to win. Like, I'm going to get in your face. Like, you, I demand excellence. Like, yeah, I need – that was wh- where we were learning about the the uh, anger that Michael Jordan had as a player and that he was, like, really demand demanding of a of a star, which is not really something that we think of in today's NBA where we kind of think of the star as a more relaxed kind of leader where Michael was, like – going to get in your face for every little thing and demand the perfection. And that, I mean, that, that showed through the whole team. And um, I mean, they it got them better as well. I think a lot of those players played a lot better, like Paxson and Cartwright and stuff like that, because Michael demanded excellence. Yeah, no, true. So but that, it, that was great. But like some of the things that you look at through that stretches, we, we did see the phases of the NBA and, I was even looking at um, just the NBA championship list, and it's pretty much always been about the about dynasties. And we see, you know, the Pistons had their time, and it's all about like when you're gonna get your shot to be the dynasty, and like, can you live up to it? It's almost like a heavyweight fighter winning a title match. Like, think, thinking about for some of the teams that win, um, sometimes the underdog gets gets the win. Like, for example, Toronto Raptors. The underdog gets the win. But sometimes it's just you're fighting to retain your belt. And in years, that was the Pistons at the time. The Pistons were – they had knocked out the champion at the time when it was the Lakers. And yeah. they were trying to retain the belt. And it was going to be who could take the belt next. And that was what Michael and the Bulls team did in 91 was finally – assert themselves as that next dynasty. And as you see in the NBA, it is just all about these dynasties taking over one after the next, the best of the best. And even seeing the parallels, like it's funny to think about Steve Kerr. Yeah. Like, we- he was a championship with the Bulls championship dynasty with the Spurs under pop. And that creates him as a coach. And he carries on his own dynasty as a coach where, you know, a lot of the similar names end up winning championships championship, in, yeah. that, in that respect. No, I agree. But, but yeah, and the other thing that I really saw, saw in this documentary that I wanted to mention was Jordan on the bench. I loved a lot of those scenes where he's talking to this, his teammates, trying to make them better, coach them up. He, in a lot of cases, was like drawing up plays, just similar to like what we see out of LeBron right now. And I feel like that's a really important parallel to to take out of this documentary when you're looking at two of the great players. Another parallel that the NBA missed the second time going around was, and I know the NBA is pissed that they missed it, was Mike got to play Magic 
whereas LeBron could not beat Dwight to get to play Kobe. Yeah. That was that was what we were gonna get. Le- Prime Kobe versus Young LeBron. Who takes it over? That would have been big time, but LeBron would have lost that. Would he? Yes, I think so. Yeah, Kobe had a better team. There was a reason they lost to Orlando Magic. True, or but Orlando was this per- this three point shooting team that well, was kind of saying, ahead of the time. They were a really good team, and the other and and LeBron's team was LeBron. Yeah. Okay. True. 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 But anything else you got to add to this? Um. You know, I think we learned a lot about Dennis Rodman, and I think that it's a crime that he wasn't a first ballot Hall of Famer. True, I agree with that because he has biases. an amazing career. Yeah, and the biases aren't warranted. If Dennis Rodman was a player in today's NBA, he'd be praised for his individuality. He would so, be. Like, I think it's very hypocritical that he would he would be kept out of the Hall of Fame. Um, so that's really my stance on that. But I also believe Robert Horry needs to be in the Hall of Fame too. So. <laughs> I don't know. If, Robert's gonna get there eventually. Right. Just Big not right. Up. Just not. Just anyway. not right now. All right. So yeah, man. Solid. Solid episodes. I definitely am all in on the Jordan doc right now. I'm like super bought in, and I'm just ready to ready to watch some more. So shout out to that. All right. Let's get into. We're ranking our Quentin Tarantino films. Schubert. I just did one through eight. So I just did. You can you can do the ones you've. You can do one through seven. Oh, I guess it is eight because of, uh, yeah, it's eight. But you haven't seen uh, Pulp Fiction. But I forget about, um, I haven't seen Pulp Fiction, but I haven't seen the other one. But I, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood makes it eight for me. You'll see, you'll see what on the list. Oh, yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood does make it eight for you. Yeah, yeah. Okay, wait, I got to. All right, all right, that's fine. This is nine. I just have to redumber everything. All right, yeah, yeah. You, you can start off with your, uh bottom all right well my bottom one is kill bill volume one. Ooh, you got volume one at, at the bottom yeah you don't have hateful eight at the bottom no oh shit all right that's cool why you got kill bill so low um i think that it was a good foundation for what kill bill volume two did and i think that when it comes to kill bill i think of volume two more than i think of volume one i fall asleep sometimes watching volume one damn volume one has the action though the, the scene where she fights lucy Liu and all that shit I, yeah, I mean, there's good scenes in it. Like all, all the movies have their thing, but I felt like Volume Two is better. So, damn. Okay, okay. I ain't mad at that. All right. Um. All right. That's cool. Wait. Let me. Okay. So I'm trying to redo my my thing. I feel like I'm missing a film. Oh no, I'm not. Missing uh, a film. Jackie Brown. No, I got Jackie Brown in there. I'm not missing a film. Okay, I think I'm right. I think I'm. I think I'm good. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, at number eight, nine for me, I have The Hateful Eight. That's a movie that just put me to sleep. Uh, the hall-in-one room thing, I just expected something differently, and I just thought it was a, a letdown of a film. And maybe that's expectations for me. Maybe I need to watch it again. But to me, that film was just a boring Quentin Tarantino film, and that's something that I just don't come to expect is a boring Quentin Tarantino film. So yeah, and, that, that's the, that's the one I have next. So I'll talk about it. I mean, like I, you know, I I actually really enjoyed Hateful Eight, but I mean, I enjoyed Kill Bill Volume One too. I mean, but it does tend to drag. What was good about Hateful Eight to me was that there was a lot of times where I didn't see anything coming, and it kind of like hit me. For, and I, mean, I think it was just one of those things where at the first time when you watch it, it's really great, but it's not rewatchable. Yeah, it's not. It doesn't have that that rewatchability. 
Mm-mm. But I mean, like the first time I watched it, it was really good. That's why I put it ahead of Kill Bill Volume One. Like when I watched it on the big screen on Christmas Eve, I remember, and I watched the extended version because I got like special tickets or whatever. And that that was, that was it was phenomenal. But it, you just never got the same feeling after that. All right, yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not a big hateful eight guy. For me, at num oh, what's your number that seven? That was hateful eight. That okay, so that's your number seven. All right, yeah. my number eight is Kill Bill Volume Two. That one, I I. I'm more of a volume one fan, but volume two, you get the payoffs. It's just more conversational based than action based. And for me, I really love the action base of volume one. That's why I have it ahead at number seven. So that's just one, one right up above the other. Yeah. I mean, that's where I come in with Kill Bill volume two next at six. Okay. Um, I, I thought that uh, it all came into a good culmination. And it really built upon what it had. And I felt like it was just a better movie overall. Like, just the way that it was as a film. Like, I think, you know, when you were talking about Quentin Tarantino, you kind of get his evolution. And I think this was just another piece of his evolution as a filmmaker, where it just, like, him evolving as a director from one to two. It's growth. Okay, I'm mad at that. And number six for me, this is where it gets tough, because my my six, five, and four, I'm struggling where I want to put it. And, man, okay, so at six, I'm going Reservoir Dogs. I'm going his first feature-length film. I got to go six with Reservoir Dogs. And, um, oof. yeah, I love this movie. I think it's great. It, it, it shows him doing the all-in-one place better than Hateful Eight on his first film. They, we even spoofed his, his, his diner scene for one, of our, for one of our group photos. Like, this movie is great. Yeah. I, I love this movie. Like, the Mr. Pink stuff, all the finding out who the traitor is, like Mr. All, all that stuff I absolutely love. It's just this movie to me is, you can see in the movies I choose over it, the growth in Quentin Tarantino as a filmmaker. And I think he takes certain liberties in other movies and he does a better job in them. And I know the one that I'm going to put right above this is going to be a shocker, but it's just, I'll get to explaining that when I, when I get there. Uh, I have that farther down. Um, next for me, what is it, five? You're on five, yeah. Five, yeah. Five is uh, Jackie Brown. Ah, uh, that's a punt. Yeah, so. That's a punt for me. We'll talk about that one a little later because I, I, I'm excited to talk about that one. All right, so for me at number five, this is where I put Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I think this film was gr- is great. I think this film could be higher if it wasn't as long i take some of the length and i don't like to use schubert's excuse of length but i put some of that in it but this is quentin tarantino taking an actor and showing he still has it in brad pitt he takes brad pitt and gives brad pitt one of his best roles i think we see brad pitt i don't want to say at his best but we see his post career there could be a brad assance and well it's one of those things where if you pair him up with other talented people and let him do what he does you'll see that he shines exactly I mean, you can see it in burn after reading like great even money playing, ball like, money ball i mean like even him playing like other different characters you if you put him around the right people you kind of be like oh well you know, brad pitt is he's acting with these people like, and that's the thing like you brad pitt's like scotty man he needs a phil jackson where scotty didn't work with doug collins if we're going back to our earlier thing yeah. like mike uh brad pitt needs the triangle offense He's a point forward. He's not. He's not Leo, who's Michael, but he can. He can make it work, Scotty. Yeah, and, and sometimes Scotty had better games, like uh, talking about the uh, 
the game where he got pushed by Rodman and you know ended yep. up being being the guy. Like this is Brad Pitt's take into that. Where ooh, you think Brad did better Leo, than Leo? Yeah, I mean, I thought Leo came perform, but at the end of the day, who's more old in the hardware? True, is Brad. Yeah, and look, I think Brad. Excuse me, if I don't know if y'all caught the burp, but Leo acted as multiple roles in this, and he was. We started off where it's like it's this guy who is at he was the, the anchor. But see, the, the thing is, he starts off as this guy who's peak in his career. Then we see his fall into like being an being an outcast. We're seeing him fall in Hollywood. Then it goes back to his bounce back of if after this 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 murders with the Manson family, if he goes into this uh movie with I forget the director's name, but the famous Polanski. Yeah, if he does the Polanski movie, does he on the uprise where Sharon Tate's career is the is the direct opposite where we see her as the startup and we're seeing her see the beginnings of her career. That's why I don't think she's well, in, well, in the, the movie what I'm as saying much. is that he's the anchor of the film is in like DiCaprio's bringing it. You yeah, know true, I mean? true. he's bringing it and like he's he's carrying the thing along you're interested, but what made the movie like peak is been yeah, Brad Sean. Yeah, and, no you know, Brad Pitt comes in and you know steals the screen in certain cases, and you're like, oh man, well I'm watching this. I mean, like Rick Dalton's doing good, but I mean, like I want to know what Brad's doing over here, and he kind of just adds like this extra flair, which is what boosts the movie in a sense. Like it makes it way much, so much better because of the performance that he gave. A lot of memorable scenes, like for example, when Brad's rolling the acid lace joint, he's talking to the dog, and he's like, "I'm about to smoke this, about to get high." And then you see the Manson kids in the car, and she's like, "We're about to do it, man! Fuck the establishment, man!" Like, love that scene. And then at the end, when she gets her face bitten off by like the freaking dog, and that was a great action scene. The only action scene, really. Another good moment is the Bruce. Even though this was controversial, I, I like the Bruce Lee moment with Brad Pitt. We see it's just Brad Pitt's interpretation, so we don't know if it's a if it's the truth or not it could be brad pitt telling a fib because it's from his his interpretation but i i enjoyed that scene i also enjoy the scene where brad goes to the uh manor for the first time where he goes to yeah. the man, like uh and i thought he was gonna die there like i was i was ready to sure. see him bite the dust i mean those are that's what i'm saying like a lot of these moments that you think of with brad but you can even go to some scenes with the other two anchors of the film and the, like i really enjoyed the scene of Sharon Tate watching her film. The movie, the movie yeah. Yep. That was a really good scene. Very powerful. And on the flip, like... I like Leo talking to Pacino. I like Leo talking to Pacino. I like Leo talking to the kid. Yeah, Leo like talking Leo. to the kid was great. And I like Leo on his European excursion. And the Ooh. whole, like, speed up of that. Like, that was a whole interesting take on the, on the film. And, like, even the back and forth of him, of showing us doing his stuff on film versus him off the camera like there was a lot of really good filmmaking moves and like risks that took that tarantino took which makes this really high film for him like, i even like five the, i put it at four. Oh, okay so you got it next up i even like the timothy oliphant scene with with leo doing bounty law where he doesn't remember his fucking lines he's like lying yeah. and then when he gets it he's like i'm rick fucking dope <laughs> that's why i got it in five that's why i put it over reservoir dogs man i think this is tarantino having fun it's him taking a lot of risk in telling a movie of just Hollywood and we seeing the different levels of an actor on the rise. And an it's basically a love story to Hollywood of him showing two actors at two different points in their careers. He just uses the Manson murder as a backdrop. 
Yeah. Because, I mean, I remember when we first heard about this, we were like, are we getting, like, this like action-y, yeah, like, kind of thing. what are we getting? And then when the movie starts and you start watching it, it's like, oh, halfway through the movie, I forget the whole Manson family was in it. Like, I'm like, oh, what? Did we, then, then it, we well, thought it was going to be a story about the Mansons was more a story, a biopic of a fake actor. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I have it so high. So you have it at four. Cool. Yeah. Okay, so that was my number five. My number four is Jackie Brown. I have Jackie Brown at four because I feel that this film is very underrated. I think this film takes a cast of characters with Samuel, with a... Uh, with uh Chris Tucker, with uh Pam Greer. Chris Tucker's good in that movie. With Robert Forrester. I think this film is just a good characterization of just different people, different great actors coming together. Robert De Niro's in it. I love seeing Max Cherry, Robert Forrester, and uh Jackie Brown's relationship. I love seeing the relationship between Robert De Niro and Samuel Jackson when Robert De Niro kills his Samuel Jackson's like pimp girl or whatever in the, in the he's like I had to bro she was just she's fucking annoying and he just yeah. it just shows these different it, different life's points of views and just crime in that era of when you could bring stuff on an airplane and I just thought this, this was a, a great movie with a lot of memorable a gr- scenes a great film film and the reason I put it back at, at five was that the pay it was a pacing thing and then it has to do with filmmaking and experience and where he was in his career the movie was great but there was a slower pace to it but i mean the see i like the pace of this more than than great. once upon a time in hollywood funny enough oh, that, and that's our flips because you have it at five you have jackie brown at five i have once upon a time in hollywood at five and you have jackie brown and you have once upon a time in hollywood at four Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So it's not that far off. And I just really love but seeing- bo- both of those movies were very actor driven. Like, yeah. You know, facts. The I act- think the actors really drove this film. I think the, the, the cast remember. really makes it work. They have a lot of memorable scenes in this where Robert De Niro smoking the uh, smoking the joint with that girl for the first time. And she's like, are we going to fuck? And he's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know if we could. And then yeah. then uh, I like the Chris Tucker scene where Samuel L. Jackson kills him. And it just great scene i like when samuel jackson goes to meet robert forrester for the first time and he meets max cherry i love the fbi stuff with jackie brown for the first time oh yeah fucking uh michael keaton's in this movie is the fbi agent who has a crush on jackie brown (laughs) yeah i totally forgot but yeah no this is very actor driven not a lot of action and with i think they have two of the two of my favorite uh Two of my favorite Quentin Tarantino characters with Beaumont Livingston and Ordell Robbie with Samuel Jackson and uh, Chris Tuck. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have much more to say on Jackie Brown. I've only honestly seen it one time. Seen it twice. Uh, yeah, so. two, two and a half. The first time, I don't count. That's the half. But, okay, so that's my number four. That was your number. Uh, your number four was Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, uh, yeah. So what's your three? Number three is Reservoir Dogs. Okay, okay, Reservoir Dogs. Nice. Let's talk about it. I had it at, at six, but I love this movie. I mean, I just think that uh, it, the script was on point. It's like what you said with Hateful Eight, that it kind of is centered around around something. But like, I feel like in this case, it was more surprising than like being led by the the people of that film in in the room like i think that movie relied a lot a lot around star power where reservoir dogs ended up like 
a lot of those people, you know, we know are kind of big now, but you know, at that point, you know, Steve Buscemi was coming off like, you know, being kind of a, who yeah, was that, he at that point? That was like a role making for him, Tim Roth. Um, Tim Roth. And then that was yeah. Harvey Keitel after mob movies. And that was, honestly, that's Quentin Tarantino doing what he did for Brad and what we're going to talk about for another actor with Harvey Keitel. Yeah. And so, I mean, Reservoir Dogs, I think, had an impact on pop culture, had an Im- impact on films just based on it, its existence. No, that, like I said, bro. So that's why I think it was as high as it was. We used it. We used it as a picture idea for our company. Like uh, that movie is iconic. The suit stuff, the, uh, the just a great, great movie. I just think it, 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 it. I understand why you have it in its top five. I think if you saw Pulp Fiction and saw Jackie Brown again, you might move it out your top five. That's fair. So, and I, and I think it's, I think it's a top six Quentin Tarantino film. I think it deserves no lower than six. And I'm mad if you put it above six, but I just feel like the ones we're about to get to are just great. And my number three, funny enough that I just mentioned it is Pulp Fiction. Want to talk about iconic films. Uh, Want to talk about iconic scenes. Yeah. I I think the other two for me is Quentin Tarantino hitting his, like that's him at his best. I think this is him almost at his best i think it's him right before him getting to like his his moment with these other two films and iconic scenes of john travolta in the diner with uh in the in the the hollywood planet hollywood style diner the elvis style diner with um uma thurman the scene with uh with uh bruce willis and marcellus wiley getting getting uh getting raped in the fucking thing where they're all together and, and Bruce Willis owes Marcellus Wiley. Uh, not Marcellus Wiley. Is his yeah. name Marcellus Wiley? I don't think so. It's Marcellus something because Marcellus Wiley is uh, the homie from Fox Sports. But it's Marcellus something. It's, uh, oh, it's Marcellus Wallace. Mar- yeah, Mar- and Marcellus Wallace ain't taking no shit. <laughs> the great Vic- Ring Rames. We have, uh, like I said, John Travolta and Samuel Jackson going up in that kid's house and where they end up killing that, that person, they have to put him in the back of the trunk. And then when they meet the wolf and they go to Quentin Tarantino's house, that's all iconic. Freaking the, the Bible passage by uh, Jules, Samuel Jackson's character, what he tells the kid is iconic. Uh, I'm trying to think of more. Uh, oh, when uh, Tim Roth and that later in the diner, and then we see Samuel, another iconic moment. This whole movie was great. You get Uma Thurman, you get Ving Rhames, you get Bruce Willis, you get... Samuel Jackson, you get John Travolta, you get Tim Roth, you just get a great cast of characters, and you see these different vignette stories that all come together to tell a very well-rounded story, oh, as well as Harvey Keitel, and I just really love this movie. I think just the other two, and my number one is a better example of him taking that vignette story mode. That's fair. I really think that I need to get a chance to see it. I know it was on Netflix. You should, you for a should while watch and I just it. Missed it out. It's back because I think all the Quinn's. on Netflix again. I think all the Quinn's movies are on there because I know Django's on there right now. Yeah, Django's on there. So yeah, I watch you, Django any day. If you get a chance, you should watch Pulp before next week so we could talk about it on the show. Oh no, it's not. Pulp Fiction's not on Netflix. I think they it's on Amazon. They only have Hateful have Eight to buy it. and Glorious Bastards. And Django on there. Okay, cool. All right, what's your number two? Number two is Inglorious Bastards. Ah, that's my number one. Ah, 
Yes, and I have Django so, at yeah at Django at two. All right, all right. Um, well, well, let's talk. Let's, which one do you want to talk about first? I mean, it doesn't matter. I'm cool with you. We'll just do Inglorious Bastards since we're here at it. All right. I mean, um, the sweet tart. <laughs> I mean, you. I feel like either one of these are flop. You know, flip flop. Either whichever one you prefer. I think that um, Inglorious Bastards. Um, was probably one of the best films at its time. Like it came out and it kind of took the world by storm. Um, on, really... 2009. It feels like a, a much more recent film than 2009. Oh no. For me, I, I, I thought it was earlier than 2009, honestly. For real. Okay. Yeah. See this film for me, it does that vignette story that I was talking about, like Pulp Fiction, but it's a little more in order. It's a little more threaded. I think the cast is great of Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz, Eli Roth, Michael Fassbender, Diane Kruger, Daniel Bruhl, uh, just so Sam many. Sam Levine. Sam Levine, shout out. <laughs> I think I think they have a lot of memorable scenes. One of the ones is should have won the Oscar actually for Best Picture probably. Should have. I, I think hey, here, here's here's who they went up against. Uh, up, up in the air. Um, Precious. What one? Precious one. No, no, no. Uh, District 9 was also in it. The Blind Side, Avatar, and the winner was The Hurt Locker. The Hurt Locker was a good movie, but I like it. It's a good movie, but I mean, like... It's not in Glorious Bastards. That's what I'm saying. I low-key took one of my names. My, my, my young boy, Dewitz comes from this fucking movie with Sergeant Donnie Donowitz. Like, the bear Jew. <laughs> and also, Christoph Waltz won Oscars for this and Django. He is... Arguably, he's, he's not like one of Quentin's masterpieces. Like not uh, not counting superheroes, movies. Not counting superhero movies, and not counting. No, I'll count sci-fi. I'll count Vader in this. He's a top ten movie villain of all time. Yeah, maybe I mean, maybe top eight. He just plays it so well. He kills it, man. And like I said, the scene where. The Bear Jew scene's iconic. The scene where you meet, uh, where you meet Diane Kruger, and it's Michael Fassbender, and they're all in that little, uh, they're in the German zone, and they're trying to get the Americans through. The scene where the fire's in there with uh, Melanie Laurent, and she's all up in the movie theater, and you see the screen, and she's like, "Light it, my love," and the black, the black French dude's just like, "You buy, you damn Nazis," and they just burn them niggas. Uh, I'm trying to think of another great scene. Um, shit, when Daniel Bruhl is meeting Melanie Laurent in the restaurant with the other Nazis. That was a great scene in the, in the, uh, Christoph Waltz is in there. When Brad Pitt meets Christoph Waltz for the first time in the movie theater, that's a great scene. This movie was just really, really great. And I think it tells a, a vignette story so well. And I think just everything about this movie is just greatness. I think there's no low points in this movie. And like Schubert said, some days I, I, pref- I put in Glorious Bastards 1, some days I put Django 1, and today's one of those days where I have Glorious Bastards 1 and Django 2, but Django's a great freaking movie and also has Christoph Waltz in it, but as a hero, it has Leo in one of his best villainous roles. And Well, for me, I think it's one of my favorite Leo roles ever. I mean, it's definitely not his best ever, I'm going to say, but it's personally like one of my favorite roles he's ever done. Ooh, I we think. should rank Leo movies next week. Uh, yeah, we could consider that. Or Leo Rolls. I, I haven't seen. I haven't seen like Shutter Island, so I don't. But, um, it you know if we're ta- we're moving to Django now. Mm-hmm. I mean Django, just like hits on all cylinders, and it it really like 
honestly is a hard movie to try and put out there, especially where I feel like we were having a lot of real racial tension time in 2012 and like, and like you're going to put out a movie about with the KKK in it and like, and all this stuff. But like it found a way to like make that story, you know, very, you know, shine and, and like completely change the idea of, this is yeah, the only slave movies movie in I that like. time period. Yeah, you know, like one hundred percent. And the what? Funny enough, it was supposed to be Will Smith. He was gonna do what he did for Travolta, what he did for Keitel, what he did for Pam Greer and Jackie Brown and, and uh Robert Forrester, where he takes these actors and brings them back up. And this was supposed to be Will. Funny enough, it was Jamie, and I'm glad it was Jamie more so than Will. Well, yeah, I feel like Will wouldn't have played this right. It's one of those things where if we were going to play the actor game with Will Smith, like, I just don't know if Will Smith could have pulled off Django. Nope, couldn't have. And he's a great actor. I think in in our best black actor bracket, I had Will Smith finishing higher than Jamie Foxx, but Jamie Foxx was just the guy to pull this off. I don't think Denzel Washington could have pulled this off either. I just think it just works so well with Jamie. He's the right tone of, like, I don't give a fuck. He's the right action level of it he just fits this character perfectly for Django Leonardo DiCaprio is great like talk about memorable scenes uh with Samuel Jackson telling Leonardo DiCaprio who's getting played for a sucker when they first get to the plantation and uh uh Leon, Jamie uh, Samuel Jackson sees Jamie Foxx on a horse and he's like you gonna let this nigga talk to me like this and it was just all this the house nigga shit the all that shit was was just hilarious uh, Samuel Jackson, iconic character in this. You got Walton Goggins. You got fucking yeah. Jonah Hill, iconic as the Ku Klux Klan person whose whose eye holes didn't fit. The only yeah. problem I have with this movie and why I put it lower than Inglourious Bastards. Let me see if you agree with this. I think the beginning is flame. I think the end when you get to Leonardo DiCaprio's flame, the middle's kind of slow. The middle's with the good. Brutal Brothers. It's just it's a little. Oh, dude, 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 dude. That's that's dude. I I like Big it. Daddy. <laughs> that, that's the that's the part I rank like the the slow part. Oh no 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 no, <laughs> dude! Like that that's all like really good stuff and building up how Django become has be, you know become that guy. Become this cowboy. No, like, I he, yeah, like, I agree with show, that. See the come up of him becoming the cowboy in the montage, but now they like you're like oh well this dude's like ready to take on the world now and he's defeated his he's defeated his past. And I'm like, more so talking about with the with the KKK homies. But that's a fun that's a funny scene. It is, but I just think. That middle section is slow. I don't know. Um, this is another movie where I think could have easily won Best Picture, and you know, Christoph Waltz definitely deserved his Oscar for this. Like he was probably Leo should have got an a, Oscar. A real drive. I, I mean, he, supporting. He, well, that was what Christoph Waltz got, and like Christoph oh. Waltz got you know really earned his position in that movie because no i like, wouldn't give it over christoph waltz i thought christoph waltz got an oscar for Le- i thought he was listening mm-hmm. to Le- that was daniel day lewis lincoln that year oh okay um okay. but uh the movie that won best picture that year was argo so it is hard because argo is pretty freaking good um i can't really t- argue too much with argo yeah i'm not gonna say this is it, that that just comes down to opinion because argo's argo's a great movie as well yeah, so, yeah, yeah. i ain't mad that, at that one this this was a hard year. Like that's the thing when you look back at some of these Oscar years and you're like, oh man, like some of these movies are like fire. Like you know, this was Argo, Django. I gotta Life say though, High Lincoln, Silver Linings Playbook. Zero that's a Dark good thirty. That's a good movie year. 
any one of those, I wouldn't be mad at that. But I, I will say to your Brittle Brothers point, I think when Jamie first goes into the slave, when he first walks in on the horse and the slaves are looking at him, I think that's an iconic scene. So it's iconic. Yeah, I think that's iconic for sure. And I think that's a, a, a impactful, memorable Jingo. scene. Yeah, that, that was a great soundtrack. Ooh, I, I will say this. Best soundtrack for these movies, I would either go Django, Jackie Brown, or Pulp Fiction. Because Jackie Brown uses a lot of the 80s. Like, I was, yeah, like, I was going to agree that's with my, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown is great. Like that, I still listen to one of those songs on the daily. The, uh, oh, man, I'm going to pull it up while you, while you talk. But that, that. Oh, yeah, Jackie Brown definitely had a solid. It was a lot of like, you know, that what 70s music. Yeah, 70s that funk. funk. That really brought in there. And like, Bobby Womack, the man. It has the uh, across 110th Street. That's my jam, bro. That's that Jackie Brown soundtrack. Pulp Fiction has like some. 50s, like some 50s, 60s, like just good vibes. And then Django used rap, bro. Like Rick Ross has a verse on the like on the Django. I, I got to applaud Quentin Tarantino, man. He is still... If but, you, you know, it, and it was another one of these things where, uh, you know, Hateful Eight is like considered the Western for Tarantino. But like this, this is, is the Western. Western. Yeah, it like, is. Th- this was a Western and it was a Western that wasn't told in like your typical, uh, we're out in the desert or we're out in like Texas or whatever. This is like... Deep South, we got people coming out, bounty hunters doing stuff in like places where you've never seen bounty hunters doing anything. Mm-hmm. I'd say Django's his Western and Glorious Bastards his war, wartime war movie. movie yeah. Kill Bill is his kung is fu. Kung fu. His yeah. kung fu movie. Uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is his period piece. But yeah. a lot of these are period pieces, but his like his period drama piece. Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction is his gangster movies. I mean, Jackie Brown and Jackie Brown is like his attempt at paying homage to black exploitation films while making a classic hood movie. Like that's yeah. what that that's what Jackie Brown like. Jackie Brown is amazing. That's why I have it so high because what he did by using Pam Greer, by using Robert Forster, by taking the his his cast, he just shines so much light. Man. Best casted Samuel uh, Quentin Tarantino film. Which one you Which one you think is the best casted film? Might not be the best, best casted. Best casted. But see, you haven't seen Pulp Fiction because that's one that's up there as well. I mean, you know, people casting for their roles and like how they did it. Ah, uh, man. Best casted. It's hard because like the core of Django is good and the core of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. That's is all I was gonna good. say. Once Upon a Time is up there. But it, like, Once Upon a Time side characters I mean, are pretty good too. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think Once Upon a Time is probably like one of the best casted, but that just has to go. That but, just goes to show with like, by the time you're at your peak of what you are, like people are going to want to act with you. you know? And that's why I argue Jackie Brown. I think every person who's in Jackie Brown hits from Michael Keaton, Robert Forrester, Pam Greer, Chris Tucker, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, if I'm missing him, uh, uh, Robert De Niro. I think that's a beautifully casted film. Django's great. So is Inglourious Bastards, but I don't know if I'd say those are, because shit, Inglourious Bastards has Michael Fassbender and, da- and da- uh, Daniel Brew and, and Diana Krug. Like, that's a great thing. But this has Kerry Washington, Leo, Christoph Waltz, Jamie, Walton Goggins, and fucking Jonah Hill. So it, to me, if I had to pick his best casted, I'd say Pulp, Jackie Brown, and. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood are top like that. They are in that one range. And then I put Jank. That's like tier A. 
Django in like uh, Django in Inglorious Bastards might be tier B and tier yeah, C. Yeah, like- what, what you got to consider with the Once Upon a Time too is the young, the young ones too. Like you know, Maya Hawk plays a. Yeah, you know she's in it. I wouldn't really say she plays the best role, but Austin Butler Austin really Butler showed up for that movie. He's about to be Elvis, man. Yeah, so I mean, like, there's some people that you don't expect that show up and really perform. Is there anybody you would like to see work with Tarantino who hasn't worked with him? He could be either big name or up and coming. Shia LaBeouf. Ooh, Shia would be good. I would. I don't know if their paths will cross, but man, I would love to see Denzel work with Quentin. Do and just get something done. I would love to see that. I would love to see Adam Driver in a Quentin Tarantino film. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I would like to, I'd like to see Ryan Gosling I, in a Quentin Tarantino film. I'm big. I, I rewatched Blade yeah. Runner 2049 recently, bro. Ryan, I'm pissed Ryan Gosling was never Batman. Like, Ryan Gosling is a great actor, man. I would, in seeing nice guys with the comedy, I think Ryan, I Ryan think Gosling would have been great. could have ever bulked up to look like Batman. Oh, yeah, but I, but see, Robert Pattinson's a lean Batman. I'm cool with lean Batman. But I even think that, but I just think like Robert Pattinson even does have the body that could work as a Batman. I just don't think Ryan Gosling could have ever made that, made that look. Giving my boy Ryan too much slack, but I I, think he would have been great in Once Upon a Time. I think he could have replaced either Brad or Leo. I think he could have pulled it off because seeing him in Nice Guys, he does that. But that's one of those people I would love to see work with Quentin. I got Denzel, Ryan, and Adam Driver. Denzel's son. Ooh, John yeah, David. John David would be great with Quentin. I, would you want to see Oscar Isaac work with know, Quentin? Not more than I would like to see maybe uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. I like your two answers of Shy and Jake Gyllenhaal and John David. Like You were like, fuck old man Denzel. We'll take young man Denzel. Yeah, no, I, I would like to see, if I had to rank ours, I would say Denzel would be one for me. I would go Jake Gyllenhaal two. Adam Driver three, Shia four, Ryan five, and then Michael B. Joe. I think I would. You know, I'd and like, think thinking about like actresses that he could mit- rope in and like people he's worked with before. Like we were talking about Zoe Saldana and Lupita Nyong'o. Like, I would like Lupita over Zoe. That could, I would. Yeah, I would think Lupita as well. Anna De Armas. Um, shit, we throw her. Yeah, I would love to see her. Zoe Kravitz. I'm a big fan of now. I would like to see her. Like Quentin, I think Quentin takes great people and just shows their greatness. And what he what he did with all these people, I think he's just one of the best directors still going right now. It's between him and Nolan; they're the best out right now. But will this will the last this will this be the last one? The next one? The next one? Yeah. I don't know. Like that's the thing. Like there's this whole deal with Tarantino. He's got to make like his ten movies or whatever. But I mean, like at the end of the day, maybe you make your ten films films and then you like you dabble you know like i could see him like you know, he's gonna make bounty law doing he's just gonna do he's gonna make his 10th film TV but he said, yeah he's gonna make a bounty law tv show yeah that's what i'm saying like i feel like he could do well in the tv space or, or like and even if he was gonna do like a bounty law thing i could also see him like being someone who directs a mandalorian episode or something you know what i'm saying yeah. or like I maybe see not necessarily r- that but like writing i could see him writing stuff and not directing stuff yeah yeah, but man, love that I grew up watching Quentin Tarantino fans because he is Quentin Tarantino films. He's one of my favorites. It's he's up there with Nolan and Scorsese for me. And any day of the week, you can you I I say a different one of those three. I think they're the the goats for me. They're my if greatest. he if he would have taken over franchises, we always hear about the Star Trek thing. Like, what franchise could he could he have worked? Could in? he have done? 
funny enough, I think a Quentin Tarantino, I think a Quentin Tarantino Batman movie's crazy. I think it's nuts. Mm. <laughs> I think it's I nuts. Know. Like I think it's fucking nuts, and it might be amazing. I there are there are three very different ones that I think I would like to see him in a, in a Bond in the Bond universe. Okay, that's interesting. But there, there's three franchises that I really think would be interesting, and they're all very different. You know, of course, like I'm drawn to Star Wars. I think that he could have told like a really. I think he could have made a Mandalorian kind of movie where it's just like you know your Star Side Wars story. Western. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, yeah, kind of like a Star Wars Western. I think he could have done that, like a Cowboy Bebop. Like if he, you know, did a Cowboy Bebop movie, it <laughs> would be so fire. Quint- I know I'm putting that in your head now. Oh like, man, I can't believe I didn't think anime. Shit, no, bro. If you make me count anime, I would love to see Quentin Tarantino's Trigon or Black Lagoon. Like yeah, his, his exactly. like getting with a female actress to be Revy. Like getting him with like uh karen fukuhara doing a black lagoon with samuel jackson as dutch you could get tim roth as the blonde crazy. homie and then get get henry golding to be the young agent oh no bro like, that would be he, lit. He, could tear, he could tear some stuff up in that in that yeah, world. in the anime world he definitely could um, that's his like, bag you know doing doing like space western kind of kind of things and um the other a, one a is space western would like even if he does an original film a space western would be dope. For, I, I would like to see his tenth film be sci-fi in some form of fashion. You were talking about uh, a Batman. I think like what T- Quentin could have done and completely kind of changed the direction of the film. Because I mean, it's a good film, but like if we wanted to take it seriously, he could have done Deadpool. Oh, Dan. See, I thought you were gonna say Joker because I think Quentin Tarantino makes a good. Uh, interesting That's interesting. Joker. But uh, like, imagine if we t- we took Deadpool and like took the Ryan Reynolds tone out of it. And completely like made like a badass assassin, like yeah. who can who is quippy. Like I think that he could have done that. And then um, the this other absurd one is if we wanted to give him his own like monster movie kind of take, I think he could have done a crazy Jurassic Park. Oh, see, I like yours. Okay, yeah, I don't know if I'd want to see him in the superhero universe anymore. I, I, I think the best one you said was the anime one. I think Quinn could do some crazy shit in the anime world, like doing some live action shit. That would be amazing. Also, I do like the Jurassic Park take that you have with that as well, because we saw him do, this was a Robert Rodriguez film, but he helped with uh, Day of the Dawn, Dead. Dawn of the, the yeah, Dead. Dawn of the Dead. Yeah. yeah and, like, and that's what I'm thinking, like, what we're talking about where Quentin does, like, different style of films. Like, he hasn't never done a monster film. Like, could you imagine, like, if he took, you know, just like the cold storage story that we were talking yeah. about. Like, if he did something like that, or like an Aliens. You know that's what I'm saying? saying. I want him to do a sci- uh, some form of sci-fi for his 10th movie. Give us some. Yeah. But I, I do think a James Bond style, maybe not James Bond himself, but a, a, a action spy thriller Quentin Tarantino movie would be very interesting. Kind of how, how uh, Nolan has Tenet. And even though yeah. we don't know, like just in that vein of like spy, James Bond, uh, Mission Impossible, Tenet vibes. I think Quentin could have done some crazy and he could even put it at any point to, like he could have did it in the 60s could have did it in the 70s could have did it during the cold war could have did it during the bay of pigs he could have did it at any different that time been a better better thing i would be more interested in it being period than like modern yeah no not a modern spy like a period like either during the cold war during like just pick the well even if you wanted to do like think about like the original uh who was the? Or I'm blanking on James Bonds right now, but like, who was the really early James Bond? Are you talking about Connery? 
Connery. Like, he could have done, like, the Connery era Bond flip. Yeah, no, facts. And did it during, like, uh, uh, right after World War World War Two that type era. And, yeah, yeah. that would have been great. Or he could even did it in the in the, uh, in the the post-Cold War leading up to, like, Iraq era. That would have been even cool, you know? Like, that would have been pretty litty. You know, another franchise that he probably could have done and uh, was Indiana Jones. Mm, his Indiana Jones would have been interesting. It would have been a yeah. it have been a good movie. Yeah. Damn, I like doing Quentin. We should either go actor or director next, but we got to keep these top tens going because it brings forth good conversation. We could rank Nolan movies. <laughs> we'll talk about this all fair because, yeah. Jesus. Uh, Memento's high for me, man, in the Nolan sphere. I've never seen that. So that's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, man. we can't rank Nolan movies until you see Memento. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I'm 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 upset. I we we rank this without pulp, but I think it's interesting to see your list pre pulp and post pulp. I think pulp will come in around the pulp won't come under than five. It won't it won't come under five. I don't expect it to, but yeah, I was interested to see where you were going to rank it because like I I think of Django and Glorious Bastards being the top two. And they I'm are. Glad you do as well. Pulp's three. Pulp, but like like I said, pulp could kind of pulp. I never. I always switch between Django and Glorious Bastards, but if you catch me on the right day, Pope could be two. It could be two, and one of those could fall to three. But to me, I, I just I'm more of a Django and Glorious Bastards guy than Pope Fiction. But well, it was a really fun conversation today, man. Like, I'm definitely excited that we got to talk some Last Dance. Like, it's yeah, this was a long pod. Like, we, we're, in, we're it's almost two a.m. We we, we 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 were chatting. Yeah, man. Like, it was a it was a pretty fun time to at least have some good conversation during quarantine even if it is about a shitty movie like extraction <laughs> it was um, fun though like i was uh, i was all hyped going into it and like yeah i'm about to i'm we gonna review it like i'm on time shit was trash oh, bro it was hard like, that's, that's what i'm saying we gotta like look up what which one of these movies are next that is coming out on like you know on demand or whatever because like we need something like it's gonna be good what's the next one scoob like, oh god jeez we, we need like, something like the king the King was good with Timothy Chalamet. We're getting close to um, the one with Deb Patel. Oh, that's the uh, Sir Gwaine. comes at the end of May. The Green Knight. Okay, I'm hyped for yeah. that. That's going to be good. Psych. What well, word, word. Um, Shuby, that's well, all I yeah, got this man. week. So, uh, What's you going guys, on with the network? You guys can find me at LynnBWT. A new episode of Anime Talk will be out on Thursday. We are dropping on Thursday because of Tower of God. Me and Chris have to watch those episodes and they drop every Wednesday. That'll be out on Thursday. A new episode of the Bros Who Think podcast will be out on Thursday as well. Be sure to subscribe to YouTube because a lot of the, uh, the full episodes will be on YouTube at some point, but we're putting a lot of clips of the best conversations of these episodes out on YouTube. For example, the best black actor clip will be on YouTube at this week, as well as the full week episode from last week. We're probably going to clip out the Dave review and put that on YouTube this week. We're going to clip out this ranking of Quentin Tarantino movies, put that out. So we're going to be putting these videos out on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe, make sure you uh, follow along and, uh, if you listen to the audio pod, cool, but you could watch it as well, man. We want to get the get the YouTube up there and going, so we're gonna just put this out there because we're on. We got the video content now, baby. So we're we're gonna be putting it out. Yeah, yeah. We just gotta get fire background as you. Yeah, facts. Oh, I, also, I gotta put something behind the. If you look at the camera, if you look at the screen, you see the our two screens side by side, but then there's that background. I gotta put something in the in the back of there. Gotta get some fire. Nice. Yeah, we gotta get y'all some backgrounds because I got my, my figures and shit chilling with me, my mob psycho stuff. And you can see the gangster poster, the 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 OG anime talk set. 
But yeah, man, we're gonna get this. We're gonna get these YouTube pop. That that Dave review was awesome today. That was that. Was, yeah. You could tell we were fired up about that. I mean, it, that's why I kind of wait till we about to do it to watch it because I'm like, and like, it's crazy because we were clamoring for a lot of the side characters, and this one it was legit just Dave and Allie. And but this, we needed this. We needed that one. Yeah, I mean, I you could there was a lead up to this, like especially with the whole Allie Bar scene in the last episode, like with the Justin you know, Bieber party thing. Yeah, yeah, I mean there was a lead up because I mean even then, like he was like you know. Oh, I don't know if I need to bring my girlfriend to one of these things. Like, you know, it's just like, you know, how is he going to bring in Allie to this new phase of his career? Like, it, it, it was a needed episode. Yeah, and they need to have that resolution. But, or Chubby Man, that's, yeah. all, that's all I got this week, bro. All right, well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at hubert 14 And be sure to listen to everything going on with the network. So, everyone out there, stay safe, stay inside, have a great week. And, uh, as always, keep binging. I met that girl right up at my show. And I for a man in the crowd on the floor. Out of town, never saw her before. Tell her, baby, we don't got that long. This not, this not my city show. But I treat it like my city show. 20 more minutes into I'm on. 20 more minutes into I'm on. 20 more minutes into I'm on. 20 more minutes into I'm on.